Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Food, Wine, and Whiskey in Your Own Backyard. I am Rob, your host, and today I've got three guys joining me. One's making a return appearance. He's been here a couple of times. Glenn, how you doing, buddy? Great, thanks for having me back. Yeah, good to have you here. And then we have Dave and Joe, who are joining for the sh- on the show for the first time. So how are you guys doing? Doing really well. Looking forward to this first podcast ever. Are you nervous at all, you two? Uh, let me give you a chance to say hello, Joe. Uh-huh. Cut in there. How you doing? Thanks for having me. That's it? That's all. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be that way the whole show, I hope. No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut off Dave, though. That's why. You guys aren't nervous at all. You, you feel like this is no big deal. Just going to talk a little bourbon right up your alley. Maybe we'll get into a little wine or whatever. I yeah. listen to the Robertsons for podcast some, so I've kind of... The Robertsons were talking about Duck Dynasty, Roberts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to listen to some of their stuff. So this is right up your... I don't know what a podcast is. It's just like it is. It's sitting around and talking about stuff. Shooting the shit and just having a bourbon while we do it. They don't drink bourbon. They talk about not drinking, but... <laughs> so this is a little we're going to go 180 from there. <laughs> Well, our show today, we, we my last few shows have been uh, wine, and, and we've done some restaurant reviews, so I thought it was about time we get back into some bourbon, and Glenn, you and I were talking, and, and you made the suggestion that maybe we taste through and talk about uh, what we think about some weeded bourbons, and you know, when you talk weeded bourbons, the, the one most people know right away is... Weller. Weller. So, we, we picked out three that I have, which are the, the Weller 12, the 107, and the Foolproof. We thought it would ta- be fun to taste through those first. And then we uh, we have two other weeded bourbons, which are we have uh, Maker's Cast Strength, and we have Larceny uh, Barrel Proof, uh, the A120. The A120. And then we thought what we would do is take those two along with the the full proof, the full proof, and just do side by sides with those them. are all kind of cast strength. Yep. And see how they compare. See what we think. Now, you tell me, Dave, you're bourbon experience you, you got into bourbon i mean i think you were wine guy first and then got kind of like me i was a wine guy first got into bourbon yes i was a big wine guy and all in that's pretty much all i drank was wine for probably the last 20 years and um somebody suggested that i should try scotches because exhibit a lot of the same flavor profiles as you find in wine and doing you know being able to pull out different different flavors and I tried a couple scotches and decided that definitely was not for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, the scotch, I just couldn't do the scotch. I would, br- I would bring a couple of bottles to the Deer Lease just to try. Scotch? Scotch. Yeah. We're just trying something different. And yeah. And the, we were both kind of like, mm. yeah, the one the one glass that was poured was enough for me. So yeah, Scotch is like a minefield. If you don't know where you're going right. in it, you can go completely Glenn, wrong. just so you know, is a big Scotch guy. He, yeah. He's big into Scotch, and he's trying to help me navigate the minefield. Yeah, so then so then it kind of, Joseph would bring a, a, a bottle of bourbon to the deer lease. And so I figured, okay, I'll start trying these and, and discovered that, that since not having it since college, the memories that that I had from college kind of went away and it enabled me to approach it again. And the, the second time through, found that I really enjoyed it. So, and that's that's been almost two years ago. Okay. So, so for the last couple of years, I've been all in with bourbon. So kind of pushed wine to yeah, the side. Yeah, wine took a back seat. I still love wine, but uh, but bourbon has. Is in the driver's seat right now. That's the baby right now. Yep. All right, Joe, you're you're kind of. Well, I kind of more started out was more of a just a beer guy, but 
started hunting more and it was just more like, you know, crowning a Coke or something. Mixing. And, you were a mixer yeah, like Yeah, I started off doing that. And then kind of one day uh, I had a customer that kept talking about Pappy Van Winkle. And, then, and that is like the biggest, of course, the more original or big, hard to find weeded bourbon as well. But Sure. And uh, while I was looking for that at this particular liquor store, the guy kept pointing more towards uh, Blanton's. It was pretty easy to find back then. It was always how, how long ago was that? I have to cut About you off. Six or seven years ago. Okay, okay. Just so people, cause I know people yeah. listening today are going to go, when in the world was you know Blanton's and all that just not oh, that hard to find? It's on the top shelf. Ooh. Yeah. Like <laughs> $35 bottle. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, so I was I got lucky one November and got a bottle of 12-year Pappies, which I still have about two ounces left. I will oh, wow. drink it on my birthday when it's running out. I might have to make one of those special blends <laughs> that everybody uh, talks the, about. What do they call Poor man's. Poor man's, Poor man's Pappy, yeah. Whatever, you know? yeah. And uh, once I tra- tasted that, that's when I, I, real- I started realizing the different tastes and kind of did away with the mixing, but... Uh, and then I got into tasting the Willers because it's a lot easier to find back then again. <laughs> and that's kind of how it progressed. Do, do you find that a lot of people like, I mean, I kind of see that a lot of people like the weeded bourbons when they get into it first. It's just a little bit sweeter. It's, I think sure. it's more approachable for the general public, yeah. um, especially coming from I don't know, something like wine or beer or some beer that's not overly bitter or... You know, it, it, I think it just suits more people's palate uh, initially, and it's just the easier acclimation into. I think. Yeah, I think so too, and I think just that profile because the wheat or the wheat profile, I think, makes it a little sweeter, a little bit more yeah. pleasing to the palate, if you want to say it that way. It's yeah, not that spicy. hard bite on it like you do mm-hmm. with a a rye whiskey or a high rye, you know, bourbon. Yeah, a lot of uh, people kind of refer to that as, oh, that bourbon's really smooth, and I think that that. A weeder compared to a high rye Mashville bourbon, that's what's smooth. Okay, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play Wade Woodard. Tell me what smooth is, <laughs> and that and that's exactly what I'm referring to. In, in that, when people say smooth, I think that it doesn't have the bite of a high rye Mashville. So that's what I think. So it's a little sweeter. Um, Does, it doesn't have feel spice. Yeah, like, it doesn't feel like it chews up your esophagus when right. it goes down. Right. You know, it's, it's one, to me, it's I describe it as you can swallow it, wait two, three seconds, and then you get the finish in your chest it versus all the way down, you're going, boy, that was a struggle yeah. to, you know, right. to give it. Right, because the high rye mash bills tend to be spicy yeah. and, and definitely mid to back palate with the high rye. And, and I like a high rye. Same. Yeah. One of the reasons I think I love, have come to love, I didn't know a lot about it until recently, but the... The four roses. I mean, yes. One's high rye and one's high high rye. You know, exactly. so. Uh, but we're going to do weeded whiskey today. Um, you want to dive into Glenn a little bit more on weeded whiskeys and what 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 makes it a weeded whiskey? It's still a bourbon. Yeah, it's still bourbon. Still fifty over fifty one percent corn. So these are all bourbons. Um, the only thing that differentiates this from a standard bourbon is the mash bill, where the second grain the second highest component is uh, instead of rye it's switched out for some flavor of wheat um, everything else is the same all the stipulations of bourbon because typically a bourbon will have three grains in it 
Yes. For the most part. There are some four grain, but typically it's three. Typically it's corn, then some rye, and then maybe some barley. Right. Yeah, usually barley is the lowest component um, as far as percentage goes of the mash bill. Am I going to ask you a question? It's going to put you on the spot and tell me, you know, move on if you want to. But what does barley bring to it? When I think about wine, Dave, yep. I think about when, you know, a Bordeaux blend, you know, it's going to be with Cab, it's going to be with uh, Merlot, and then they're going to blend it. You know, they're going to get something from a little bit of Petit Verdot and then, you know, a little bit from Cap Franc for right. some structure or some silkiness. Or, yes. so what does barley do? Barley brings in a an earthiness, sort of a, a farmhouse funky. Okay. Um it, just think of Balcona single malts if you guys have had that. It's really, I, I think of it as earthy, malty. There's uh, some, the sweetness is different that, okay. that comes out of it. Um, so in a weeded bourbon, can they or do they sometimes put a rye? Or is it that the rye is taken out completely? That would then become the fourth. Third. Grain. Okay, it would be the fourth. Yeah, generally you almost always have barley in. Okay. Okay, um, that that was my point yeah, for the I, question. I don't know of any that substitute. So when you do a weeded bourbon, rye is pretty much out of the picture unless it's a four grain. Correct. Okay. Very cool to know because I did not know that. Uh, so you were talking about, Glenn, uh, when we talk about weeded bourbons, it's got to be at least 51% corn to be bourbon, but in this particular mash bill or in weeded mash bills, it's going to be a higher percentage of corn. Correct. Uh, generally, you're looking at up to probably 70% corn for most distillers. Then the rest of the 30% uh, is usually split in some manner. It, it changes to every distillery. But generally, the, the next grain is the, the higher of the two components. So maybe you're talking between 10, sorry, 15 to 20, sometimes. Of wheat? Of, of wheat. And then the remainder is barley. Okay. That makes sense. So it's still a pretty good amount of barley that's yeah, going to be in yeah, there. Yeah, generally. Okay. And that makes it a weeded bourbon. Right. And the barley, uh, it, it helps with fermentation. It's, mm. is a part of one of the main reasons why it's in there. Because corn uh, doesn't have a lot of fermentables or easily broken down by yeast. Um, what the malt does, um, the malt of barley, is it helps break down those starches into sugars that are more easily available to the yeast. Okay. So, so you end up with a higher alcohol percentage in your mat or your in your wort. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And then it's ran through the the um, usually the coffee uh, coffee still or a grain still. It's interesting, even even when you go back to I've been watching a lot of Vikings lately. Yeah, I watch. I love that show. I, man, it's a lot though. Yeah. When they drink their ale, if you look up what ale was back then, it's pretty much barley, wheat, and corn. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. So, but was it diluted a whole lot more, I'm guessing? Yeah. yeah. Well, well they didn't have the filtration either. It wasn't distilled. <laughs> oh, okay. So, okay, you, know, okay. You, you take that, it's only 5 to 8% alcohol in there. Okay. So okay. Take that's that. why they drink big barrels of it, I guess, when you're watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> Large glasses and... So it's just fermented like beer. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty cool. I got educated again. Thank you, Joe. I never never even knew that that's, you know, obviously I know beer, beer is made from barley and oats and 
but I didn't realize that uh, corn and uh, wheat and, and was used back for the version of ale back then, yeah. Whatever grains they had available in that region would they would typically make some sort of fermented beverage yeah. out of. So when do you think that accident first happened, right? It was an accident, that's a, that's right? That's a curious question. <laughs> uh, no, nobody thought, you know what, I wonder if I can get drunk off this. It's pretty, out of barrel. It's yeah. pretty old. Uh, probably 1200s. Was it really? Yeah. That's crazy to, to think about that. I even read they would filter it through, like, juniper leaves and different leaves to try to give it a different taste. A lot of that was... Um, you have different plants that have uh, antimicrobial properties to them, so they would help uh, keep it from spoiling. Yeah. yeah. Say that again. What kind of properties? Antimicrobial. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about that all day long. We're learning vocabulary. You, you with me, Dave? I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, since you're with me, you go ahead and explain what that means to the audience. It's called science. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue, but it sounds like it's uh, an important process to make. Yeah. Yeah. Keep your stuff from rotting. Well, <laughs> what you're trying to do is keep as much of the bad yeasts or whatever bacteria from getting it, and you're trying to give your yeast that you actually want to ferment it uh, a more of a finding chance. This is why I love having Glenn on with me, because I can always say, I know a smart guy. That's right. <laughs> and he likes to drink. <laughs> nice. So we're warming up with, uh, because we thought we would, uh, we didn't want to come in just, you know, with a, dry palate we thought we better have a little warm-up pour so we all uh, poured a little of the elijah craig 18 little 90 proof just to kind of get the palate going and we're gonna we got five bourbons did we discuss the five bourbons we're doing today i know we talked about the weller but did we talk about the other yeah. two yes we did okay yep. so what and we talked about how we're gonna do it the three wellers first uh we did not okay so we'll do the three weller lines first just to progress to that weller line and see what we think about the different weeded bourbons that, that they're putting out and then we'll jump kick the uh, foolproof over to the cast strength category with the makers and the larceny barrel proof and just kind of compare those three and see what we think about those and at the end of the day we should all be drunk and call an uber Fantastic. <laughs> what a good afternoon huh productive <laughs> so uh, i'm finishing up this elijah craig 18 and then we can jump on to the wellers and this is the first time I've had the Elijah Craig 18. Same it is. It is. Oh, yeah. okay. I didn't realize that. And I want to thank you for that. Yeah, well, let's talk about it. Do you like it? It's outstanding. And I am I like a heavy oak flavor and the astringent properties that... I do, too. I'm an oak guy. ...and the astringency that the, that the extended aging gives it and... But I don't think it's too much oak. No, no. No, absolutely It's not, not. like a, just an oak bomb. No, no. It's just, for me, it's right where I like it. I mean, it's just, yeah. the oak's there, and, and it's predominant, but it's uh, it's not overpowering. It's just not right. smothering you with oak. Right. And as Glenn and I were talking about a little earlier um, with the Elijah Craig 18, is would like to see, see it a little higher proof than 90. You know, I've always wondered, being an 18-year-old bourbon, and every batch always 90 proof, Right. Why do you? Is it a volume thing? Is that why that you think they do that? Just to get enough bottles out of it because it's been there eighteen years, and and if they don't dilute it down to ninety, they're not going to get enough volume out of it. That's I think so because yes. you're probably looking at maybe twenty five to thirty percent left in the barrel at, yeah. at that age. Lots of angel share gone. <laughs> so I mean, I guess you pick your poison. You want less bottles with a much higher cost and, and difficulty of acquiring, or do you want to dilute it down like they do, and and we all kind of. Have a pretty good chance of getting one. Right. 
I don't know. Pick your poison. Somebody right. does. Rob yeah. has a pretty good chance of getting one. Hey, but I share. <laughs> yeah, and that's the important bit. Absolutely. Yes, very important. Like Glenn had a question, though. When we did bourbon, do they really pay attention a lot to the barrels? I never really paid attention to that. Like, you know, because if single barrel, Blanton's has such a distinct way that they char their barrels. I mean, they go into so much detail about how they do barrels. I don't know if we did barrels. Yeah, it's identical. Identical? Yeah, okay. basically. So uh, every, you know, every distiller has a, a char level they like mm-hmm. um, to get to their end profile. Well, this yeah. is all Buffalo Trace with the Wellers. So, right. So yeah, I but with makers, with... Um, different, correct? Yeah, it's, they're all the same. Let me ask you this. Does it go by mash bill or does it go by product for the char level? I believe it's by product... Okay. That the, they, so the Weller 12 could be a medium char and the 107 could be a heavy no, char. Sorry. Uh, in, in that sense, uh, they're, they're identical. To the uh, mash all bill. All the chars are the same. Okay. Yeah, for a mash bill. Okay. So um, all the Weller line has the same type of barrel, always new American oak. Right. Same, same char level. Yes. And then the mash bill number two that goes for the Buffalo Trace and the Hancocks and all that could have a different char on that whole line. Correct. But all the same. Right. Okay. Right. But likely, I did not realize that. Likely they're just, if, if it was me, it would be the same throughout the... See, and I always thought the way, you know, I know it's the same mash bill, and I thought uh, one of the ways to distinguish them from each other was to change the char in the barrel to get a little bit different so that, flavor that's profile. That's too. That's why I was yeah. asking. I don't know if they did something different. And I think the change actually comes in where they're stored in the rick houses and the amount of age that's put that is put on them. Right. That's where they but, get their difference. But to that point, I love that we're having this conversation. If does that mean that say Blanton's is always put in the same warehouse, same part of the Rick House every I, time? I do know Blanton's is it's, Blanton's is always then, comes from warehouse age. Yeah. Okay, and then Elmer T. Lee's always in the same place. And yeah, then and then we have uh, Hancock, Hancock always. Reserve. And then we still have Rock Hill Farm. Rock Hill Farm. So, I mean, otherwise, I mean, I, I think they taste similar, but there's something going on because they're still different. Correct. Because it's the exact same distillate going into right. the exact same barrels, just being stored in different warehouses at different levels of the warehouses and aged for different amounts of time. And that's where the variance is in the products. Okay, so the aging also. Right. Yeah. I, I thought they were all, well, I know Blanton's is six to eight years, right? Correct. And then do you know the other lines of those? Most of them are about the same. Six to eight, all about six to eight. Yeah. Okay, um, that's kind of what I thought. So what they'll do is, you know, you'll take something that's more eight years to get, say, the more oaky components. And then you take a younger one to that might have more of the lighter fruits, um, you know, some of these lighter um flavors and you blend them and to get their consistent profile that they're but they don't for. do that with blends right because it's a single barrel correct so with with something that's a single barrel you know it's typically you know same area of the warehouse mm-hmm. same warehouse same charm. same spot same everything yeah and then going to dilute it down to the same proof every time right so i've never really picked you know f- like three different years of blanton's and seeing how different the flavor is, it can be different. Yeah, well, yeah, drastically. Yeah, well, just two. We just we just did a blind tasting with the Blantons and the Blantons Gold. Oh, you did? We did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The meat was pretty distinct. 
I thought what made it really distinct was the difference in proof, with the Blanton's being at 93 proof and the Blanton's gold being around 101 to 103. Yeah, something like that. Somewhere in that range. And I thought the the flavor, for me, I thought the flavor profile was almost identical. Really? Between the Blanton's and the Blanton's gold. But you got a little more heat and a little more complexity with the Blanton's gold because of Uh, the higher proof. Okay. But you could definitely tell that it was the same mash bill. That's so, interesting. What did you think? Yes, that was about the same. I, I would like but to. You do said it much better, Dave. I would like to do that again <laughs> and then kick in a uh, straight from the barrel. Absolutely, because and, and, because I did have straight from the barrel several months after that, and I don't, I wasn't doing it side by side that night, but but I didn't think that this that the other two could even hold up to the straight from the barrel. Oh, really? I thought that straight from the barrel was far, far superior. I, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. I've seen two other labels, a black label and a green, correct? And a red. There's a red. And There's a, red. a black and a red that are from Asia. Black and the red that come from Japan. Those are Japan releases only. Um, and then there are several. The green label, that's the low proof. That's the 80 proof. So they do still play with them, then I guess yes. they're pulling them out. I've heard the, the green label, people who've gotten it, and if you guys have had it, tell me I haven't, no. aren't fans of it. The, Never had it. Okay. And when I hear 80 proof, I'm going, you know, if you water it down to 80 proof, you're losing so much character, so much structure of the, to me, and I'm, and in my me, mind. Absolutely. And for me, that anything that comes in at 80 proof is a beginners introductory into the bourbon world yeah. and it's and they're probably still mixing the 80 proof so sure so it, it's just a, a way for everybody to ease in to the bourbon line but if you can find that green label is the problem. <laughs> <That's right. Yeah. laughs> let me ask you this about blends and i know we've come, we're going to get back to weller here in just a second but we're, we're still in buffalo trace so i right. think we're okay is Blanton single barrel, are they all single barrels, or is it just the Blanton yeah. single barrel that I'm, you know, the traditional one here in the States, or is the ones released in Japan, are they all single barrels? From what I understand, they're all single barrels. Okay. okay, I did not realize that either. Love doing these shows where I can continue to learn. Absolutely. Has anybody been to the Buffalo Trace? Yeah, I have. I have not. I plan on, I was planning on going this year. You booked your trip for this year. Yeah, I'm going again in October. You think you are. <laughs> you can <Yeah>. drive. <laughs> you, and, you and COVID have that conversation. Yeah. Let them know how it goes. <laughs> COVID sucks. Everybody agree? Uh, uh, concur. Yeah. Yes. It has just absolutely sucked yeah. for 2020. And uh, when we started, you know, March, when they did the lockdown, I was like, all right, a couple weeks. And then it was a month. I was like, Correct. this can't last that long. Here we are, you know, first day of July. And I'm like, we are still dealing with this crap, yes. man. It just absolutely sucks. But I do feel bad for all the restaurants and bars and everybody who's getting hit and obviously all the people who are dealing with it with family members getting sick I mean, it's just an awful thing but hopefully it uh, we get over it here pretty soon listening to your podcast they can learn a lot about making you know different food too right that's exactly right yeah. <laughs> get on and follow us on uh, you know twitter or facebook join the facebook group food wine and whiskey and we do a lot of cooking and see a lot recipes, of recipes you know? yeah recipes and things like that i'm always happy to share absolutely you know what? When this started, I had a pretty good wood pile in the back by the barbecue pit. I had mesquite. I'd cut a bunch of pecan wood, and I even got some oak from my parents' house in San Marcos. And those piles are pretty low now. Are they? <laughs> yeah. You know what's low for a lot of people? Bottles. 
Yeah. <laughs> you sit in you sit in here with COVID for three months. I hear everybody talking about, boy, I'm drinking a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I went from drinking, you know, two or three nights a week to right. Yeah, kind of drinking every night. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there early on, Glenn, it was like a, a Zoom every other night. Let's get on and have a pour, Dave. You were yeah. on a few of those. Let's do the bottle and bonds. Yeah. That was always fun. All right, well, I think I'm ready to, to jump into these wellers and start the Weller 12, see what yeah. we think. Let's give it a shot. Let me pop this. Hold on. Yeah. Cheers. Anything on the nose? Well, obviously there's something on the nose. Yeah. What do you get on the nose? Compared to the Elijah Craig 18, <laughs> this smells like a Werther's candy. Yeah, it does, huh? It burns. It burns my nose. Get the ethanol. Yeah, still. a lot more ethanol in there. And it's been opened up for a few minutes. This is only yeah. 90 proof. I know. Yeah, and I don't get that. I'm drinking from a Glen Cairn, and Glenn's drinking from a Bourbon Trail. I mean, I don't get a ton of alcohol in there. Yeah, but no, no, I was comparing it to sweet. Elijah Craig 18. Oh. And so it's, you know, it's younger, but it's still definitely 12 years. Sweet, you know, definitely sweeter. Correct me if I'm wrong, that Weller 12 never, always, I swear there, I saw it like different labels years back. It wasn't the same black. Yeah, they've changed the packaging. Okay, because I remember the same thing with that. That was, I'd see cases of it. No big deal. I've heard that too. I mean, and, and I, you know, for that matter, I've heard all the VTAC series that uh, from Buffalo Trace. If you went back to the early 2000s, you know, every year you just go to the store and pick up a bottle. Right. And back in the hot, hot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think it got really hot till what, five years ago, four or five years ago? I've been into it going on three years, and I think it was a couple of years before I got into it. I went, you know, there's something going on with bourbon. I may want to go check this out. Yeah, I guess that's what they what or 12. Poor man's pappy didn't make the cut. There's all kinds of. They call Weller twelve poor man's. That's, I thought it had to be the blend of twelve and one hundred seven. That's when it first came out. That's what I always heard it when I go. Uh, it's, it's more that it was the rejects that didn't make right. it to. They didn't keep it to like go the pappy lines. Right. So that's kind of how it grew. I think it's kind of built on that stigma, and and so then everybody thought, oh, well, I can't get pappy van Winkle. Let me get the closest. To well, so tell, so tell me this. Whoever knows the answer. So there's that uh, old Van Winkle, ten year, old Van Winkle, twelve year, mm-hmm. ten years, two years younger than this, twelve years the same age as this, same mash bill. Yeah. So yeah. they, the master distillers, just tasting the barrel and saying this one's good enough to be this label, this one's going to be this label. Or yeah. Maybe, with- maybe they don't think it's be good enough to make the twelve year too. I guess. That's what I'm saying. 10. The ten or the twelve. He he tastes them at ten and says leave it to twelve. And if it changes, matures, whatever it does, it tastes it again at 12 and says, okay, you're going to be a Weller 12, you're going to be a, an Old Van Winkle 12. If something's really good at 10, I'm guessing he pulls it and says, this is our 10 label. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it works? Yeah. They, they you know, do periodic pull, tastings. Pull of the honey uh, barrels. Yep. And now, now, wine is kind of similar too, right, With the based on the grapes? I'm, I'm not a big wine guy, but I know that they kind of look at everything and which one goes where and... Over time, yeah. So, same same kind of concept, but there's there's obviously a lot more blending in, in wine than there is in bourbon. A lot of times, bourbon is yeah. just out of the barrel. Uh, although I think there's a lot of blending in bourbon. It's mostly 
blending versus single barrels. Yeah, is the majority. So yeah, it's the same where you know you're going to get barrels and get different characteristics and say, hey, if I put them together, same thing with grapes. Um, but it's going to be a percentage of I want this much cab mm-hmm. versus this much cab franc, and then with some petite verdot, and then just a couple drops of malbec to get that profile I want. And, and, you know, it's funny because sometimes a, a certain varietal can be, to your point earlier about corn, it can be the uh, same rule in, in Cabernet Sauvignon, in California at least. If you want to call it Cabernet Sauvignon, it's got to be at least 75% of that grape. Then you can label it that way. But if it's like huh. 65%, then you're mixing the rest with Cab Franc and Petit Verdot yeah. and Malbec. And now it's, it's a red blend. red blend. Yeah, correct. So 75% of any grape, same with Malbec, if you want to ca- call it a Cab Franc, most of them are typically blended, and then you do get some 100%, though. I guess you would call a single barrel where it's just a, a 100% cab, but I don't know that it's necessarily out of the same barrel. Sometimes right. they blend two different right. cabs as well. Right, it's definitely blended because that's, that's one of the big differences with wine is that they don't leave wine in the barrel for extended periods of time. time. Usually, it's, it, the bottle, right? usually it's two years, mm-hmm. somewhere between 24 and 30 months. Is the is the the max that they'll leave it in a barrel, and then you put it in a bottle. But the thing about wine is, you know, the difference. I guess is the way I would say it, Dave, and Joe and Glenn, is that uh, you know whiskey. Once it goes into the bottle, it's done. It's not gonna. It is what it is. It's not gonna change anymore. Where wine is different, you're getting it out of that vessel because you don't want that vessel to have any more influence. Yeah, on what that juice is going to be. But once it's in the bottle. It's a living thing, man. It changes, you know, it's going to get to a point over, depending on the type of wine and the quality of the wine, where it reaches its peak. And that's when, you know, the best drinking time for that particular vintage of that wine. And then after that, it's going to start going down. So, you know, you leave a wine too long, you miss an opportunity. Right. Yeah, and that's exactly what they're doing, pulling barrels with whiskey, is it's reached that that pl- profile that they want. Yeah. Um you know, they, they have whatever uh, amount of barrels that have more tannins, more, uh, like, mid-palate sweetness, whatever profile they're trying to get. They get X amount of barrels of that profile, and then they blend it all together. Right. So instead of grapes, it's just different barrels. Correct. Right. That, that, and, that, again, that's what got me interested in whiskey. Cause I, I started kind of looking at it going, this is very similar to wine. Yeah, a lot of similarities. Now, maybe a uh, show down the line, you've seen these, uh, I think it's wine put in whiskey barrels or... Not a fan. I don't... I've seen these every now and then. I saw the tequila put in the Buffalo Trace barrels, too, here recently. I've tried some of those, but it's interesting mixing those, like... The only one I've tried, and I I have friends that might not like wine as much as I like it, I think you like it, is the uh, Robert Mondavi. Yeah. You like the wine in that bourbon barrel. My favorite is the uh, the rum barrel. Oh, they have a rum they have barrel. They have a Merlot and a rum barrel. Okay, I hadn't seen That's that one. Good. I know they do a cab in a... In and they a have bourbon. a rye. Yeah. They have one in a rye. I don't remember what. So I, I tried the, the bourbon barrel. Yeah, it's it's okay. Yeah, I didn't like that. That's the only one I've tried, and I went, yeah, not for me. Yeah, and I think that the wine industry has had to, especially the U.S. wine is, industry, has really had to modify their model sales model because bourbon has taken on such a 
It, but, it is the spirit of choice. You think so? I think Because so. wine is still huge. It right? is. Yeah. Wine it is. is bigger than it's ever been. But for the first time in 20 years, wine sales are actually on the decrease. Well, but you got to remember, what we're talking about there is total dollars, not volume. Volume is up, dollars are down. Okay. Because people went, you know what, I'm going to stop paying for really expensive bottles and start buying. And I'm one of those guys who kind of moved from California going, you know, a good cab is anywhere between 55 and a 200 bucks. Right. And going to Old World where I can get, you know, a $40 and buy six of them. Yeah. yeah. Or some of these stores you walk into, the bigger liquor stores, there's some wine selection. Just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, half the store. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, one of those stores is Longhorn Liquor. Giving him a plug. You're welcome, Mike. <laughs> but I think that that it's interesting that the way that wine industry has ch- has changed and, and is doing bourbon barrel aging with their wines. But remember, besides Robert Mondavi, name me another one who does that. Well, I could go in total wine and show you several, but I'll. I'll but, oh, let me say. Head. Let me ask the question this way. Name me a producer that you and I would go, that's a nice producer that's doing that. Never. Yeah. Never. To me, it's a gimmicky thing that Absolutely people are trying, trying to, to capitalize yeah. on, on the, on on the that, popularity of yeah, bourbon right now. Totally agree yeah. with that. And that's why I brought it up because I've noticed wine and now I've noticed tequila. And I, it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Where yeah. It, it's not, now it seems like all of the spirits are kind of hopping from bed to bed. Rum. Finished in bourbon casks. There you go. That's another one. Yeah. Even scotch. I've seen some scotches being finished in bourbon casks. That's traditional. That happens a lot. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. They've they've forever. As, as long as they could, they've always gotten. And uh, guess bourbon barrels. guess which bourbon barrels they use the most. Jack Daniels. That's right. Well, so who says it's not a bourbon? Who says it's not a bourbon? That's just based on volume. Volume of uh, bourbon. Yeah, it's just volume. <laughs> yeah. I know, but I'm just, I just want to throw that out there. because But that's not bourbon. It's not a bourbon. That's right. <laughs> but, but Scott says they're finishing it in a bourbon barrel. Well, yeah. I'm confused. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's just fine. Okay, back to the well or to the 12. Yeah. Has your alcohol kind of... Oh, your, your glass is empty. Holy yeah. cow. <laughs> and your thoughts? It's good. It's sweet. Uh, not overly complex. Uh, it's it's an easy drinker. You still do get the alcohol. You do. It at, drinks hotter than nine end, right? to it's me. More, I see. It, I feel it more a little at the end of the alcohol. But I get it more on the nose yes. when I'm spilling it. But I I would agree with Glenn that it is not complex. I wouldn't even say overly complex. It is not complex. It is sweet butterscotch candy with a little bit of ethanol. To me, it's okay. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's not one that I'm going to be coveting. You know, i got to have this nope. in my... Nope. Like I said, if I have a bottle, fine. If I don't, I don't. Like I said, it's amazing compared to years ago. <laughs> you can easily find but it. What also is amazing to me is we were just talking about this being the same, if you want to be, you know, same juice as what's in... Well, yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm going, how much different do those barrels have to be to get the other label? Because this doesn't... You know, as a bourbon guy for the last few years, this doesn't blow me away. We've been drinking no. some pretty good stuff the last couple of years. This right. isn't... Yeah, barrel-to-barrel uh, barrel variance, you know, you can get, like, probably 30% difference. Huh. And and just, you know, exact same spot in the warehouse, exact same, you know, time frame as when it was produced. It can be drastically different. But what brought on the whole 
Pappy Van Winkle craze because the was it the 15 year that was voted the number one bourbon. What it was was uh, where it really got into the media was there was so many cases that were barrels that were were missing, and so that really brought it to attention to the line, and then. You know, celebrities started drinking it, and it just exploded from there. And well, it's it, not that good to me. Once but, it gets into the celebrities, then it's done. But wasn't there a, a, a and you guys tell me, but wasn't there a family part of the story, too? Yeah. That the son or grandson, when Sister Weller split and... Yeah, so when, um, when they became part of Buffalo, Buffalo Trace... I think it's Julian Van Winkle. Yes. Uh, he, you know, he had all these old barrels and decided to make a, a line. To do something in to honor. To do something. Well, I think he was just getting rid of the barrels. <laughs> <laughs> well, story has it. <laughs> yeah. But to, to honor his, his grandfather. Right. And it put him on the label. That's what I'd heard. Yeah. But I, I like your first answer that he just, oh, shit, what do I do with these? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to make money. Yeah. I got to sell them. <laughs> Yeah, that was the story I had heard. That uh, yeah. that's kind of how it came to be in different barrels. Fifteen years, and now it's something that they they do they they put those barrels aside specifically for that. Yeah. There's barrels being aged that will hit that fifteen. And, and, and I'm guessing again, same juice. They took it at fifteen, good enough. Right. Label it twenty, yeah. same thing. Okay. So I, I've always heard a consensus that the fifteen year of people who've had it, I've never had it. The 15 year is better than the 20 or the 23. I've always heard that. You just get into overly oaked right. okay. bourbons. Okay. And, and that's what I've tried the, the difference, and that's what shot, I mean, really. I think that's 20 what, year, 23. That's what stood out to you? Yeah. Oh. The, the 15 years, the sweet spot, somewhere between 10 and 15 years is in barrel is sweet spot for bourbon. Yeah. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, Bar and Grill fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-hosts sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! I do like this 12, though. I mean, it's yeah, solid it's little bourbon. Definitely. And at a retail price, you can't beat it. Absolutely. Retail. There is nothing wrong with with a Weller 12 at $40. So while we're here talking about that, and Joe just made his little retail. <laughs> people who are listening that know, know there's a secondary market in bourbon, and it's a big thing right now. People who are listening and don't know just found out there's a secondary market in bourbon, <laughs> and it's really popular right now. Um, you guys have any opinions on that? You have any opinions whether it's okay to do that, not okay to do that? I have mine. I, I've got mine, and and I can understand both sides of, of the issue that these secondary markets are driving up retail value for every bottle that used to be obtainable, but. If somebody is willing to pay that price for that bottle of bourbon, we are in a free market. So 
it's but you don't have a license <laughs> that, that's the legal side of the argument that's, that's a whole other I just <laughs> yeah but you don't have a dealership license when you sell your car right. exactly that's right. what I was going to say once you own it to me you own it and explain how some places can ship to other states you know there's all and that certain states will let you ship into their states some won't exactly you know? like it's Texas like... you can't you can't ship liquor you can ship wine here right you can't even ship all wine it has to come from a winery so like there's a place in, in New Jersey that I'd love to order wine from. I can't because he's right. a, a, a wine store. Right. He's not allowed to ship into Texas. Correct. It's a strange, like, cobwebs of... God bless government. <laughs> yes. But for me, I'm never going to pay secondary for a bottle, personally. I just, I mean, there are bottles that I definitely want. But if would I you could, trade? I would definitely trade. But to go out and pay the asking price uh, for Weller 12 on the secondary market. I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. And Joe, your thoughts? You kind of in line with with Dave? I haven't really dabbled too much in the secondary market, but... I mean, just having an opinion on it. Not that my, you've, but my opinion is, I I just think... I haven't dabbled too much with hookers, but I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> with, with human trafficking? Not, <laughs> that either, but not, I don't agree not, with that. Not a fan. I have an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I just think if there's a certain bottle that you want, if you want to be able to go and buy it, and you have the money to buy it, I think you should be able to go get it. Absolutely. You know? And whatever everybody's, you know, hundred dollars to me might be a different hundred dollars to you. So, I, you know, it, it before the like I said, it was easy to get like a Waller Twelve. Now, you know, it's, and, and and I saw a good argument the other day about the secondary market that there are liquor stores in town that have loyalty programs. Yep. That when you break it down, the loyalty program, you are going to be spending upwards of $2,000 at a store to enable you to buy one of these highly allocated bottles at retail. Yep. So not only are you spending the $2,000 in the store, but you are also going to be paying. So let's expand on that. Let's say you want a George T. Stag. Correct. You had to spend two thousand dollars plus one hundred and fifty out the door. Right. So you spent twenty one fifty for one George T. Stag. Correct. And if you... on secondary, I just wanted to take that money and buy four George T. Stag, I'd still be ahead three hundred bucks. Be ahead. That's what I'm saying. That it's is correct. What, what's your budget? Yeah. Correct. So, the, so I can see, like I said, I can see both sides of the argument. You have an opinion? Uh, it, you know, a, a rising tide raises all the ships. Yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. thing. So. You know, more people into bourbon is a great thing yep. for distillers, for resellers, um, for consumers. But the the part I don't like about it is it's people are just going and hoarding or going and just getting as much as they can to just turn around and sell it, yes. which Here. Go ahead. I, which I totally understand. But you know, if it just sucks whenever it's your you know, this is my daily, and now I can't find it anymore. Well, and, and we get mad about that, let's be honest, because we go, that jerk, if I'd have got that bottle, I'd have drank it and shared it with my friends. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's just turning it to make a nickel. Right. Um, here, here's my opinion on it. To me, there's two kinds of liquor stores. There's, there's the ones that sell stuff at retail, whether they keep it behind the, the shelf and they keep it for their good customers, or they just put it out, and if you get lucky, you go in, you still get it at retail, they sell it at retail. Then there's those liquor stores that sell it at secondary in their store. And I'm fine with that. That's their right to do that because I've found out in talking to liquor store owners that 
They have to buy a lot of crap to right. be able to get a good bottle of something. So if they feel like that's the way, there's a buyer for that, and that's the way they can recoup some of that money they spent to get the other stuff because it's going to sit on their the floor. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm okay with that. Um, and I think there's those same kind of buyers. Yeah. I kind of give the analogy of, you know, me being a, a, I'm a big sports fan. I grew up playing all the sports. I equate it to baseball cards. Mm-hmm. Today it's the it's the for, baseball for me, cards like, of bourbon. It's like rifles, special guns, yeah. you know, it's the same thing. For but me. baseball cards, you know, we used to go to the store and you would buy, you know, whatever packs and hoping you would find one in there and it would be, you you, you didn't care about everybody else. You right. wanted that one. Same thing. I go in the liquor store. I don't, I'm not, I'm looking at the bourbon. Well, I don't care about all the bourbon. Do you have a good one for me? You right. know, it's like the pack of every liquor store I stop in when I'm hunting is like a pack of baseball cards, right? I'm looking to find something good in that pack. Right. Um, and then these liquor stores that sell it at secondary to me are the card shops in the mall. You used to go and they already had yes. the ones you were looking for and they were already, yeah. dang, he got the Ken Griffey rookie and he's already selling it for 200 bucks if I want to buy it, you know. So, so what you've taken out is the hunt. Yeah. Which, which is part of the fun for me. It is part of the fun until you start looking at your pocketbook. True. Same, same back in the day when you'd buy boxes. You know, I'd go and go, give me two boxes of tops yeah. and then go home and try to go, I just wasted 100 bucks and I didn't get one good card, you know. Exactly. Same thing. At the end of the year, I spend all this money and going, I hope that guy gives me a good bottle from the liquor store I always shop at. And you go, crap, I didn't get anything. You know, I spent all that money. Right. But but like Glenn said, the rising tide raises all ships. A year and a half ago, I could find when I could find it. The Weller Antique 107, which we're moving on to now, for $23 retail. 18 months later, MSRP retail on a bottle of Weller Antique 107 is now $54. Yeah, I see it between 49 and 55 Yep. I remember about 34 I'd always find it a year right. and a half ago. Yep. And But back, remember back then, it was a screw top. Now you get a cork, Dave. That's, Come on. Right, that's $18. You got a cork. I got it. All right. Welcome to America, supply and demand. <laughs> Tell me that every time you do, that doesn't, 18 bucks, <laughs> oh, worth it. Absolutely. I'm going to get another pour. 18 bucks, no problem. I'll pay it all day long. Listen to that. Absolutely. You can't get that with a screw top. Let's yep. be honest. Yep. It's like well, money spent, right? Just well like spent. California wines trying to go to screw tops and the, yeah. and the amount of pushback that people get because it cheapens it. In their mind. In their yeah. mind. Correct. So the whiskey world did the opposite and said, right. we're going to make it better we're gonna with the cork. Make it fancy. 18 bucks. Yep. <laughs> Crazy stuff. All right, we're moving on to 107. All right. Now, the Weller 12 was just off the shelf, but these two, the 107 and the Foolproof, are both uh, store picks. So, mm. Glenn, I'll let you kind of explain to everybody what would make it different. Why, when we say store pick, we get a little bit more excited. So, a store pick will be a single barrel. So, you have that variability. Um, a lot of times, distillers will pick out store picks that would be available for store picks because they don't, they're a little bit of an outlier. They're not exactly the profile they want. So you can get something that's, you know, just pretty close, but different enough where they're like, yeah, this isn't going to jive with our blend. Right. And so they'll offer it up as a, a store pick. And sometimes they're amazing. Sometimes they're kind of, uh, it's pretty similar to 
just the regular lineup. Um, so there's there's some variability in that, and uh, it's fun trying all these different picks. Right. To me, and and being a part of picks is also a, a neat experience. I think that's that's the most fun when you get that opportunity to be whether it's just a group that you belong to or a store that's going to get a barrel and asks you to be one of the guys to taste through a few barrels. It's always fun to do that. Yes. Everybody here done a a pick, a barrel pick? I have never been part of an actual pick. You haven't, Joe? Me neither. Oh, man, we're going to have to change that then. Yep. That would be fun. You have, haven't you? Yeah, I have. We haven't done one together. No, I've done a a couple with uh, KBM. Okay. 107, you guys like it? Yes. It definitely has a lot of the same similarities on the nose as the 12, but there's... A lot more characteristic more to this. More, yes. It's not as sweet. Yeah. Which is... It's got a little more bite on it, doesn't it? Well, it's got a little more ethanol bite, yep. but it, you know, it's more complex. It's not just a single note sweetness. Right. I don't know why with 107, I'm always tasting apricot, and I, I don't eat a lot of apricots. I don't know why it always stands out for me. Really? That's just me. That's just where our brains work. You I have guess. that memory of of a flavor and um, David, you were saying earlier, you don't you know, tasting bourbons you have to have that um, flavor memory in your head right. uh, to be able to associate pull it out of Because um, otherwise if you don't have those experiences you know, you're just right. this is good, I like it, I because don't like it. Because I see it. a lot of people or smooth. Talk about it has tobacco. <laughs> smooth, <notes>. yeah. <laughs> it has tobacco notes and leather. Right. Yeah. Never been around tobacco. So yeah, or or licked a lot of leather. Right. Or yeah, yeah. old saddle leather. Right. So. But but I also find that sometimes I can't figure out. I'm getting something out, and somebody will say it, and you go, "That's what it is." Right. Yeah. Which we've talked about that with the uh, George Dickel bottle and bond, which we get. Flintstone vitamins. Yes, thank you, Wade Woodard. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize that's what I was getting I was until say Wade told me. <laughs> that's me. You don't like it, huh? Oh man, one of my favorites. Are you a fan of Dickel? No, I don't, you're not. Can't stand it. Yeah. Not everybody can have a good palate. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the Tennessee part. They ain't me and you, buddy. Yeah, maybe it's the wine guys. You know, yeah. been, no, with I'm, a better palate. I am no fan of the George Dickel bottle. Oh, you're not. No. You're you're on your own. Right? Oh. Well, there's one one out of four. Twenty five percent good pal. That's right. Yeah, that's like the first time I had Willet Pot Still when I was new into bourbon. Somebody suggested, man, you've really got to get the Willet Pot Still. And did then, you bring that bottle to the Deerlands? I did. And then I remember so, that one time somebody brought up an analogy, and I said, that's absolutely it. And they said, Willet Pot Still is like licking the inside of a trash can. Really? And and I said, well, I've never licked the inside of a trash can, but that 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 fits it. It's a funky adventure. Yes. <laughs> I've never had it, only because I don't know anybody who's ever owned a bottle, and everybody else has told me never to buy a bottle. I'll get you a sample. You have it? Yeah. I like it. You do? Yeah. Okay. But I take it for not a bourbon. Oh. It's its, its own thing. Look, I, I'm not going to... I don't drink anything saying it needs to be like this or like no. you know same with wines no. they, they all no. stand on their own it just needs to be something i like and but you, enjoy but you know what you like and yeah. what fits your palate i like the will it for your rye i know you don't i do because it is funky and different and, and that it's makes extreme. me go this is unique and i like it on my palate it's pleasing and it's the same poor. thing but a bourbon 
So I, I'd be open to trying it. Yeah. I'm just not going to spend the 55 bucks to buy one when everybody right. tells me it sucks. It's a cool okay. bottle. It's a cool bottle. Yep, to turn into an yeah. infinity bottle. That's a tight pour down there. <laughs> you gotta, have, you gotta have a uh, gotta have a funnel. funnel. That's, That's right. right. I was waiting for an opportunity, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 107, definitely like it better than the for 12. Sure. So if you see a 12 and a 7 on the shelf, you're only allowed to buy one. The buy seven. a 12 so I can go in and get the 107. There you go. <laughs> I am a bigger fan of the 107. I have been for a while. Yes. Uh, I, think, I think it's just a, a natural progression that as you drink bourbon in your palate, kind of gets accustomed to bourbon and drinking it on a more regular basis, your, your palate develops, just like wine. Yes. And, but by develops in bourbon, I think you can tolerate the higher proofs, and then you start to appreciate the flavors that are in those higher proofs. I heard a guy say it the other day, and I agree with him, maybe one of you guys here, that he believes higher proof bourbons actually have more flavor in them to kind of get out of it, where I think people who aren't as experienced in bourbon right away think, all that proof, it's, it's going to be so much alcohol, I'm not going to taste anything, which to me is really not true. Yeah, you have to accustom your tongue yes. to um, get past that burn, that ethanol. Yeah. And then you can start getting into uh, nuances and stuff. And it's the same with, with scotch and peat. Yeah. So if you get... peppers. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what's tamed my palate, I think. Really? <laughs> you know, the other thing I would say about tasting, and, and it's why I like wine and bourbon whiskey is when you taste wine you know it's not just pour it in and drink it right it's to let it sit in your mouth and get those flavors and then drink it and you get that finish and and to me whiskey's the same way i i see people okay. now that uh they want to get into bourbon and they'll come over and i'll pour them a little bit and they want to like shoot, shoot. it and i'm like and they said no that's, that's, that's from west college that's the westerns though too right westerns in college west, yeah western man yeah. Yeah. clint eastwood goes give me a whiskey give me a whiskey there it goes yeah. right but that's not the right way to drink it right? no, because I mean, somebody that's unaccustomed to drinking it they think okay he just poured me a shot i'm supposed to shoot it yeah and, and i'm going to shoot it in this fancy glass right. yeah How the hell do I do that? Yeah. yeah where's your shot glasses yeah, yeah. If, if you get it, and that's the other thing that I like is that there's different glasses for whiskey. There's certain things, certain types of whiskey, certain proofs that do better as far as nosing, as far as, you know, tasting out of, specifically nosing, I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, for whiskey, same as wines. Yep. You know, whether you're drinking a Pinot Noir or a Cab or a right. GSM from Rhone Valley. Yeah. Yep. So, 107, I like. It's the one I like a lot. And I think it's why the poor man's pappy, which is 60, 40, Weller 12, Antique 107, you're, you're getting, so out of the Weller 12, you know, it's more oaky and a sweetness, where this isn't as sweet, the Antique isn't as sweet, it's not as oaky, yeah. so you're getting these other characters into it that, you know, by themselves you don't you know, it's not there. Right. Um, this um, is my engineer brain kicking in. Curious, if you mix a 107 and a 1 or 12, what's the proof? It's less than 100. Yeah. Uh, but it depends on the ratio it's that not, you blend it at. As I say, is it based on the ratio? Yeah. Okay. It's quite a bit different. I think when Brian did his multiple times, he was close to 100 proof. I think you're at like 95 95, or 97. I think is what it was. I think you're right, 95, where, you know, the 10 years still at 107. Yeah. Interesting. And, and so, 
having never had any of the, the true Pappy, the 15, 20, or 23 year, what what proof is, say, the 15 year Pappy Van Winkle? Uh, I thought it was 107 as well. But uh, let's look it up. I think, yeah, it's just best to look it up, but I think they dropped to 90 proof. Did they say, really? I think it was lower. Yeah. Because oh, wow. I was going to say if you're looking at it. The, mic, the ratio of... The and you have your, your like, lot B and mm -hmm. the 10-year. I want to say those are higher proof. Okay. And then, like, they then they drop after that. But I've, I've stopped chasing Pappy. Right. <laughs> I, I just don't care. Right. So, yeah, so it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, that's fine. Definitely my model was the one and done. Right. If I... <laughs> like I said... I tried I, it just to try it, and then... Eh. I mean, if I happened to cross one, I would get it, but I'm not going to look for it. No. I'd have any antique collection any day over any of the pappies. The, oh, okay. George C. Stagg, yes. William LaRue. It, Thomas Handy. Handy. Yeah, I'd have any of those. Yep. I'm a big rye guy, and that's on my list is the Handy, Handy. to get. Yeah, I had a pour of that at a bar. and I had, I had a pour for the first time recently, and was extremely surprised just how delicious it was. I can't and if you get one that's been opened up for a little while, it, oh, it's so good. Yeah, it was It was probably two-thirds gone. I just happened into a bottle share at a liquor store and was buying a couple bottles, and they asked me if, if I'd like a taste. And, yeah, well, of course. Yeah. Needless to say. <laughs> Did you find it? I, I it didn't give on the particular side I was on. I had it all listed, but it wouldn't give me the uh, the proof. So I'm going to go to Buffalo Trace and see what they got here. So are we? I'm taking a drink of water <laughs> while I. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So are we are we going to go straight into the full proof? Or are we gonna? I left I a little so. 107 just to do a side by side. Side by side. I'm gonna go to the full proof because I want to okay. compare it to the other Weller. Okay. okay. And then we'll taste a little more when we go against the, uh, the barrel cast yeah. strength. And you know, I, I'm I know this is a single barrel cast strength Weller full proof, but it's yeah. such a low proof when I think right. about. It. But well, it's not it's not as low as that. That's that like, yeah, true. But it, you got to think of the entry proof, like what they go it's into the lower. barrel at. Yeah, yeah, they go in at lower proofs than, say, like a typical is one twenty five. That's maximum is one twenty five. But you don't most do it most, at one twenty five, and then they proof it down. No, no, not, not all. Okay. Um, so like wild turkey is, I think one seventeen, one eighteen somewhere in there. Um, there's, I knew wild turkey was always lower. Yeah, like, and I'm I'm pretty sure Makers goes in, maybe right over 110. Okay. Like, so as you go in at, at a lower proof, you get different compounds out of the wood than you would if you go in at a higher proof. Uh, so as you go in at lower entry proof, you'll get more uh, vanillas, tannin, or not tannins. Um, uh, vanillins is what I meant to say. Uh, caramels, brown sugar, uh, some of the lighter compounds, um, you know, your fruits, cherry. Uh, as you go in at a higher proof, you pull, you extract more of the wood. So you get more your wood, your leather, uh, tobacco, those sorts of notes. 
But I think with, I'm, I'm fairly certain with the, the weeded line at Buffalo Trace, they go in at a lower proof. And then they just rely on the, the rick house itself to bump up the proof. So another thing on the, on the antique 107 that we just had, a, a lot of the store picks are non-chill filtered. Right. Now, are, is the general release non-chill filtered or is No, it's chill filtered. It is chill filtered. Yeah, everything is chill filtered um, except for store, store picks, picks that specifically state non-chill filtered. I did find it. It's 107, right? For the 15 year. That's right. what I thought too. Correct. The 20 year is 90.4. Right. Wow. The 23 is 95.6. Huh. So, yeah, the 15 year is so 107. So, another reason yeah. why the 15 year is in people's sweet spot. Yeah. It's got a little more complexity in, with the proof. Yep. That would be more up my alley. Overly oaked. All right, so have you guys nosed the foolproof? I have not yet. I was coming up. What'd you say? Coming up. That's what she said. <laughs> and and what proof was this one coming in? One fourteen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. we have one fourteen. I think this one is. I don't get the ethanol in the nose like I did on the twelve. Not as much. Yeah. And you're going, you know, from 114 down to 90 on that 12. It shows you how, uh, I, I call it uh, structure, you know, being sophisticated. Is that a way? I mean, I'm trying to, what, what's the adjective you use to describe something that just seems more, you know, more classy, you know? I don't know. I, I think it's just, you know, she's put together well. Yeah. <laughs> the edges seem a lot it's more rounded. rounded. That's yeah. what she said. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll stop that. <laughs> no, you won't. Interestingly, <laughs> interestingly enough, it's not unpleasant, but I get a, like a nail polish remover yeah. smell <laughs> from this. And, you know? And it's, and it's kind of floral, so it's not the, the ethanol portion of the nail polish. Maybe it's lavender, maybe. You're right, you're right. There, there is that there. I get chocolate-covered strawberries. Strawberries? Strawberries? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I would think more of a cherry. So yeah. it's that lighter... Um, Citrusy to me. The, the lighter um, com compounds from the strawberry is what I get. If I'm going to be honest with you, on the nose, I still think the 107, the yeah. antique 107, is mm -hmm. my favorite. I agree. I think it's very similar, but like Glenn and I said, it's just seems more rounded and smooth. Doesn't yeah. have the sharp notes that the 107 yeah. has. Now, how long has foolproof been out? How many years? A year, year and, and a half. Year and a half. Yeah. yeah. And it's been aged how long? Seven. It it's not age stated. So it's six to eight, six to eight years, eight years six to just eight, their yeah, standard. What's the what's the new one Weller's releasing coming out pretty soon? Single barrel. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. yeah. But isn't that Blanton's? No, it's a weeded. <laughs> yeah, it's a weeded. Oh, it's a weeded single barrel. Well, it's Weller. It's Weller. So oh, their okay. their entire line is weeded. Just like yeah. the just like the Weller 12, 12 years, Joe. Come on. Oh my bad. <laughs> <laughs> that was me earlier. Yeah. And said Dave. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just released the the kosher kosher buffalo trace what 
it? Yeah, but that's not a... It's a rabbi blessed it? <laughs> yes. They, really? Wow. So they got their... All their grain was uh, certified organic. Really? Like in, and kosher Coach. certified, mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. Well, and, there must be a market for it because you don't spend that kind of money to do something like that to right. produce it if it's right. in a market. The other thing is they so, have to break down their entire system and clean it. Oh, I bet. To yeah. kosher standards. Is this a one-time deal or do them for a special occasion or is this a... A new I line. Think it's a new line. Be, yeah, really? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess once they designate that equipment, that's going to be the equipment. Right. It's not going to go back to the regular. Yeah. So in the market, uh, I know only of one beer, maybe two, that is uh, certified <clears throat> kosher. And I don't know a single whiskey other than the Buffalo Trace that is the same. And, there, and same thing with wine. There are very few wines that are certified kosher. And the CYOB? CYPB. CYPB. What is it? C-P-P. Create your YMCA. Create your perfect bourbon. CYPB. Have y'all tried that one? Yes, I have. I have not. No. I have not. So here's the deal on that one. $42 retail, typically $40, 50 500 to 600 secondary. secondary. It, it, it is... It, Fetches the highest secondary of any of the Weller products. Yeah, it's more than George T. Stag. It's yeah. more than Handy. And it is a $42 retail bottle of bourbon. Hmm. And it ain't that good. And that's what I've, <laughs> I have yet to try it, so I'll hold out. If I found one I on a shelf, I would trade it for a George T. Stag all day long. Absolutely. I would or definitely or buy whatever. it, but I would not be drinking it. No. These Taylor Barrel Proof. E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof is one I that, really want to get my hands on. Yes, that is on. That is my unicorn. Must find. So I'm hoping at Longhorn Liquor, I can get lucky and find one hiding around the store somewhere. He does that sometimes. Well, I'm, I'm going to be walking in front of you, Rob. So. <laughs> All I know is he said I can have access at 7:30. <laughs> There's some trade right there. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's like those baseball cards, right? Yeah. How long do you think that line's going to be? I. I don't know. I'm having so even so, the time I'm getting there. Just so everybody knows that's not from, we're in the Houston area. There is a, a gentleman named Mike Williams and his dad, Dennis, who own uh, a chain of liquor stores, really nice liquor stores. I mean, these yes. are, you know, most people think liquor store, you know, you're going to walk into this guy smoking behind the counter and doesn't look so good. Bars and, on the windows. Yeah. All kinds of Hennessy for sale, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, tequila and vodka, and that's that's the big, and I think most liquor stores, that's the big seller, but anyway. But this is a, again, I call it a, I mean, you walk in, and if you've been into a BevMo or a Specs or a Total Wine, not to that scale as far as size, but it's that type of store. It's clean. It's Absolutely. got nice, you know, artwork and design. It's got great areas for, you know, a wine room and things like that with great wines in there. It's got... A big walk-in humidor with your fine cigars and all kinds of good bourbons and gins and armagnacs and cognacs and I mean it's just a really cool liquor store and I'm excited that we finally get one in Katie because he does some really cool giveaways and some cool things. His store picks are His almost store always picks good. Are yeah. always good. Um, it's just always so far to go get one. You know, you yes, got to drive two hours to get in line. Yep. They do a really nice uh, charity event. Yes. Whenever all for the Christmas. Uh, yeah, for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, when all the antique collections and all that stuff comes out. So it's great that he's uh, coming to Katy. He's in Katy. You know they're open, yep. but uh, uh, it's uh, going to be fun to see his grand opening. He's open now, but you know he's doing all his kind of special activities. 
on Saturday. Oh, and I thought it was Thursday, Rob. Well, the, the ribbon cutting is Thursday as far as the grand opening, but I don't think you're going to see. Well, who knows? This is Mike Williams, right? There might be something <laughs> on the shelf on Thursday for somebody to get lucky. Um, but I think Saturday is the big day where people will line up. And I know he's working with Essentials uh, Chef Martinez. And he's doing a roasted pig, right? He's doing a, a seafood stuffed roasted pig, huh. about a 60-pound huh. pig, and then a bunch of big pans of paella, paella, and then some whatever finger foods and appetizers and whatever. So should be a fun day. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Same here. I'm hoping to get an E.H. Taylor. I'm hoping through. to get lucky. Yeah. That's what she said. Door opens, you walk through. <laughs> All right. So how do you guys think this compares to 107? I'm still a fan of the 107, to be honest yeah. with you. I, I agree. I think the the 114 is just a tad high, and it, it drinks that way, more so than the 107 at 107. And, and the 107 I have open now isn't my f- best or favorite 107 I've had, but I still right. like it better than, Agreed. believe it or not. That one definitely has. Yeah, this is a store pick, though. It's a liquor. They both hut. are, yeah. Yeah, it's from Liquor Hut. But the full proof des- definitely has more ethanol burn. Not a whole lot more. There's significantly more, but not. Yeah, it's not. Blow me, it's not huge. Noticeably on my palate. No, it's not lighting you up like an Elijah Craig barrel proof at 136. Right. Right. But. Now I did one time. We had a store. I had a store pick of a Buffalo Trace and just a regular Buffalo Trace and me and a neighbor tried to see if there was a difference. I hate to be cliche. It did, the, bur- the barrel pick did and it was blind. Yeah. The, the barrel pick did taste a little smoother but that's what, by the way we noticed. Yeah. That's Buffalo Trace. Well what do you say we uh, Yeah. so conclusion we here out of the Wellers 107 is our favorite. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, Weller Full Proof is definitely a little harder to find, but uh, yeah, but, the, but the Full Proof it, it fits my it fits my palate. Yeah, I'll too. still be looking to. I like it a lot. Yeah, and it's a fun bottle to have in the bar. Yeah, I'll still be looking to acquire a bottle of Weller Full Proof. Yeah, but, absolutely. But I I would agree that the 107, I mean, it's tried and true and been out for a long time, and they've pretty much perfected that. I would I would agree with that. But what do you say we uh, take a little break? Go fill up our glasses with the three cast strengths and come right back and see what we think about those. That's good. That was great. All right. Glasses are refilled with three more, two more, two one more. of the same. And uh, we are back to talk about, uh, Lynn, tell us what we're, what we're tasting here. We're going to go through what? So now we've moved on to the cast strength. So for, for people who don't know, tell them what. They go, what is, what is cast, cast strength or barrel proof? Uh, same thing. There's, yeah, there's many monikers, but it's, it's the same thing. So, and what it's, that means is? It's generally, it's the proof that the barrel actually was at. So but after, it, there's different, there's an entry proof, uh, which is the when it comes off the still and into the barrel, that's entry proof, which varies from every manufacturer or any every distillery or end product uh, maybe yeah um yeah and w- even within their own lineup right. uh they'll they'll vary uh entry proof uh to what they're trying to get in the end product but um so entry proof will will vary and then over the course of however many years they age it 
uh, where they age it in the warehouse. If it's lower, um, generally it will lose proof. If it's higher in the warehouse, it will gain proof because it just depends on if you're evaporating water or if you're evaporating ethanol. And, and one of the ways to say it so listeners can kind of have an idea, we talked about single barrel lanterns or whatever it might be. Single barrel is that one barrel, right. but they can dilute it down and get it to a profile or flavor that they want. Right. Maybe also build volume for bottles, whatever. Um, barrel proof is also a single barrel, but you can't dilute it all. The proof that it comes out, it can go in lower, but whatever it comes out at, Whatever it is, it is what it is, and that's what gets bottled. So we have that with the Weller Foolproof. It is a single barrel at barrel strength. The other two that we have, the Makers and the Larceny, are small batch. Oh, they are small batch. So they're barrel proof. So they vat these, all the barrels that they're going to put into this blend into a mixing tank, allow that to marry, become happy. And they get the proof. Whatever that proof is, that's the proof. Okay, I haven't had these two, but it's the same process as the uh, Elijah Craig's when they do theirs. Yeah, exactly the same. Okay, I didn't realize that they were still getting mixed. So the only one that's actually a single barrel is the Weller. Right, and that is only because it's a store pick. Okay. If it's the standard foolproof, then... It's blended. It's a blend. It is. Okay, I did not realize that. So we're, we're, we're jumping. I'm not starting with the Weller. I put that in yeah. the middle because of proof. So we're going to start with Let's the start makers. With makers. And this is proofed at 110? Yes. Point Three one? or four, something like 110.05. Oh, five. Okay. 110.5? Zero 05. Zero 05. Zero five. They're going extra Very accurate. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen that before. Yeah. Usually you don't. Round up, right? 110.1? Yeah. TTB allows you to do that. Yeah. So this is Makers. Yep. Yep. You drink a lot of this, guys? This is going to be my first sip ever. Of a Makers product or this particular one? Of a Makers product. Okay. Never had an old-fashioned with Makers? Nope. I've had the regular Makers, not in an old-fashioned, but in a uh, Coke mixing it, you know. That's that's an old mixer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As far as having it, you know, neat in a glass like this... The, uh, the the private select yeah the private select the pair yeah. the pick from Ryan's Taters Daryl Bowman and those guys and it's fantastic so be happy to share that later but I've never had so this is their standard lineup so their wow. normal Maker's Mark but at cast strength that Actually, the private select is the forty six right with the different with, staves with correct with different staves at their barrel proof right I'm actually I was actually a little shocked I guess because I wasn't expecting. Taste. What 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 tell us what you got? The nose. I love this nose. Love yeah. this. And and I have never. It's kind of a stigma because Makers was always when I got into bourbon. Everybody talked about Makers as a mixer, and it's always on the shelf. So it was never really a a sought after bottle for me. So I've walked past it hundreds of times, and. So drinking this cask strength for the first time, I, I think I've got the same reaction as Joseph that, wow, this is... Wow, well, in a good way? In a good yeah. way. Okay. Yes. I expected overly sweet, over, just overly everything. To me, of all the weed we've had today, this is the least sweet. 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. I got so like far. a more of a not a citrusy pear, but it kind of. I don't know. That's what stuck out for me, and then it just yeah, kind of smoothed down. But I expected overly sweet, and yeah, didn't get it. The other ones had more of that uh, kind of full body in my mouth too. This yeah. is not that. I think it's a little shorter on the palate. Yeah, like it, it stops about mid palate, yeah. and it it just dries. It, it's, mm -hmm. That's what I was trying to say. It's like hits you quick, and then it just kind of stays right at the end there. Yeah. But the thing is, when you mix this with Coke over the years, you expect it like a sweeter, right? Right. That's me. And that's the difference between you drop it to 90 proof yeah. versus this 110. at 110. Yep. Uh, so I'm assuming Maker's 46 is 92 proof. It's 46% alcohol. Is that the 46? What's the 46 designate? I, Not sure? No. The 46 was the 46th recipe that they tried. Yes. Oh, that's what it was. Because I um, want to say that Maker's okay. 46 is around 100. Okay. I've never had it. I'm not certain, but I think I've seen on the bottle that it's... Yeah, I, th I think it's about that. Um, so it was a 46th recipe to try to make that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a Maker's Mark ambassador. Oh, you like, are? Or, like a... Brand um, ambassador. The brand, well, I don't get paid or anything. You yeah, know, I just I had my name on a barrel. You, and, you've done enough to. And I got uh, my golden ticket, and I went to Kentucky and got my barrel or my uh, my bottles, and but um, I I had a real long chat with uh, Bill Samuels. Okay. Um, and yeah, so the forty six is they was their forty sixth iteration of trying different staves and stuff with the the secondary maturation that they go through, um, and so. That's that's just what it is. Um, so when I think about private select and the different staves that are on there, the mocha and the French yeah. and the forty six, it starts with the forty six as the caps and then you change the staves. You get ten staves you, within that barrel. You add staves. Yeah. So 10 you, you drop the, staves into the barrel. And barrels all forty six? The, the so the barrel is just their standard barrel. Like there's nothing different about that the staves. Oh, okay, okay. So then they, they drop in so the the forty six staves, which are you know it's a, a certain toast level, then you have your French mocha, your uh, cuvee, cuvee, yeah, yeah. Um, you know all, all the other ones. Yeah. You know you can then substitute some of the so the, the standard forty six was all those forty six staves. Okay. Right, and then the private select you can change up those staves that they drop in with those different recipes. Just to add more wood surface area. But it's still not well, for flavoring. It's just flavoring. Because basically. it's 46 bourbon. Yeah. It's already been made. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be in a new oak again when you no. make it. Right. So I'm guessing it goes into a barrel that was aged in 46. From what I remember, it doesn't go into a new barrel. They just introduce the new staves. The staves to give it that flavor. Because I, right. I wouldn't think you would mess with the 46 recipe right you're just adding they, to it exactly okay. so the, at at that point so you know you got your 46 they can either bottle it at that point or they can continue with going into Adding private stakes. selects okay and then be it whether that's you know it doesn't meet the profile they want okay let's throw in these staves and do whatever and i'll tell people if you haven't had the the private select i think they're fantastic yeah i've had a couple different ones and, and they're I'm, readily I'm available impressed. generally, you know. Yeah. They're and they're a bit pricey. You know, they're about seventy-ish bucks here. Here's here's a, 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 just a little nugget for you. 
Um, I think the new, they changed the label recently where now the staves are listed on the front. Yeah. Right. Look at what the staves are. And it used to be they were on the back, and I, I learned to look on the back because some big stores have their private select. And multiple times I've looked at the back to see what staves they've used. 10. 46. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's just 46 bourbon so then. What that's called is uh, Bill Samuel's cask. Uh, okay. That's like, so Specs has their their initial one that they did, uh, and it was 100% 46 staves, and then they called it Bill Samuel's cask. Well, they needed to do something like that on the label because it just looks like a regular label, and I went, yeah. I'm not interested. It's just 46 bourbon. I want something that's going to change. You know, give me some mocha. Give me some French. Give me some different stuff in here. It's going to make it, you know, kind of unique and different. And, yep. Uh, so anyway, you think it's worth getting one that has 10 and the 46 because it's going to be a little bit. Yeah. So uh, it's nice to have that and then compare to right? some of the to, flavored ones. Yeah. Okay. And and that way you start to learn. But okay, compared to 46, it's going to be different still. It's cast strength. Right. Versus, you know, proof down from your just regular 46. Okay. So that's the, so that's the, the difference. What's the proof on? 46. I want to say it's upper 90s. So it's not that much different. It's 110. Okay. For me, I'm going, that's not a lot of difference. In that, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's not yeah. like going from 80 to 110. Yeah. But it's it's enough of a proof change. You know, I think our, from what I remember reading, our palates can only really tell, like the granularity is maybe three or four proof points to tell the difference it can that small well what i'm saying is is that it has to be bigger than that to tell a difference. to tell a difference you know uh drinking experience flavors if they were all constant and you were just looking at proof it has to be at least three three to five points difference. to tell a difference okay which makes sense so if you get to that point where you're telling a difference now you're only five to six different for you know what i mean right. I'm, I'm picking but, but if we're going bit, but yeah to me I, I think for an experienced whiskey drinker that's not a huge jump no it's not yeah. but it's a noticeable change yeah, yeah but because like we said earlier when we did the side by sides with the blanton single barrel and the blanton's gold blanton single barrel at 10 i mean at 93 and the gold around 101 to 103 it was a noticeable difference it was like those 10 8 to 10 proof points were were noticeable enough on on your tongue to I mean, okay. we, all three of us that did the the blind instantly picked out the gold as being the gold okay because that has that's that's more of a rye mash bill because it's got i think 12 percent rye in the blantons something like that that's mash bill one yeah. right mash two bill two so i'm sorry mash bill two. Oh, two. in with rock yeah. hill farm yes yeah. Yes, and Elmer T. Lee. Correct. Yeah, so I think it's 13% rye. Right. 12 barley, yeah. and then the rest, corn. Corn, right. But then there's the barrel. <laughs> That's good, though. Yeah, for what I'm saying is... Okay, let me ask you this. Price point. $40 on the high end. Wow. A lot of times I see it for 37 Bought a bottle on the way over here today for $35. Yeah. That's wow. that's a nice little whiskey. That's, that, that's, is, that is really good. I mean, when you start talking about value. Oh, yeah. it's hard to beat. Yeah. That's a good value. Very right hard there. to beat. And I can't, 
like I said, I've walked by this hundreds of times and said, no, it's Maker's product. It's because we're whiskey snobs like we're wine snobs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it really is. If you're looking at, yeah, the, the regular Maker's, it's, I mean, it's good for what it is, right. but it's not going to amaze, you know, like blow you away at all. The cast strength, you know, brings it up to 11. Yes. Where, you know, the, uh, the private selects are... This, it's the same thing with the 46 line where it just bumps it up to 11. Right. And, and, um, and I just think that the availability that that adds into the bourbon experience these days is when you walk sure. by a shelf and it's got 40 bottles of red wax makers on, you're like, nah. no, nobody wants that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not buying that. You think gimmick with right. the wax. Yeah. I, people just overlook it. I, I think it's definitely worth a try. I, I would agree. Well, thank well, you because now I've had a try and it's definitely worth forty bucks. I and mean, that's all day well, long. I think if you go to a lot of bars, first thing you see out there, you, know, you got the makers, the crown. The that's Lutz. always yeah. in the well, right? Yeah, right. that's a so makers and coke. Yeah. So you're like, ah, I had that. And the other thing for me is if I'm gonna buy a bourbon at a bar. It's not going to be it's makers. It's not going to be makers. No yeah. way. Yeah. I'm going to see what's unique what or different that they exactly. have. Yeah. yeah. Right. But that is that. Wow. I mean, I was actually shocked. I, was, yep. for I think to your point, Joe, earlier, it's it's a mixer. Yeah. Most people yeah, think of makers as yeah. a mixer. A mixer. But for thirty-five bucks, I was surprised because I, as we were talking about earlier, I have seen it priced anywhere from thirty-four dollars up to fifty-five. For the cast strength. Yeah, and I think part of the problem is they've, for so long, have only had one product. You know, they've only had the standard makers. And it was only uh, maybe five years ago. Was oh, that what it was? That's that soon. that um, 46 came out. And uh, just recently, the cast strength came out. And then the private selects aren't that old either. They're maybe two, three years old. Yeah, I knew the private selects were, were recent. I didn't realize the other lines were only, you know, four or yeah. five years ago. Yeah, and so I think they have a, a bit of a marketing hurdle to overcome where, you know, a, a lot of, you know, what we call ourselves, you know, bourbon aficionados that, you know, like maybe more higher-end stuff, just overlook, oh, it's red wax, yeah, I'm okay. Right. But... It, it really deserves a try, and especially the, the, the private selects. Yeah, and I, I think the private select, the more people that try that and go, wow, this is really good, might make them go, well, maybe I need to try their cast. Yeah. Maybe I need to give it another shot. Yeah. And at the price point, it's seriously, it's, yeah, it's hard to beat. Pleasantly and surprised. For a weeder, yeah. like, it's one of the only wheat cast drinks that you can readily find. Yep. Wow. It's good. Uh, and for that price, it's great. Yeah, and and that was the whole impetus, really, of this uh, podcast was, okay, Weller Foolproof is almost impossible to find, or you're paying an amazing amount of money on secondary to find it. Let's try to find two other um, substitutions, not so much such, like something comparable to it that is more available. And while Makers is on the shelf all day, every day, uh, larceny, which is going to be our other comparison, it's a little harder to find. It's it, you know, three times a year they release it just like Elijah Craig Barrel Proof, but it's not impossible to find, and at a it's a decent price point. Is that you know, Elijah Craig uh, Barrel Proof is always sixty bucks. Yeah, is larceny about the same? It, I want to say 
49 Yeah, it was about 50 bucks. Okay, that's a good price. So, yeah. I mean, it's 10 bucks I, more than... I've heard great things about it. Well, I've never yeah. had it, so, but I've heard we'll great things. We'll have it in a second. Yeah, we will. <laughs> We're on our way. Yeah, and so I would say... Damn it. Let's, uh, <laughs> missed the cue. I would say we go to Larceny next, and then jump back to Weller and side by side. Okay. What do you guys think? Sure. How about so Larceny next? Yeah. All right, Joe. Favorite bourbon. That's what we would call a shelf hero that you can drink every day that you know when you go to the liquor store, you go to Total Wine Respects, and you need a bottle, it's there on the shelf for you. I think that 1910 was... But <laughs> That's a good one from Old Forster. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Dave kind of... We were looking at different ones. I remember and I got a bottle of that, tried it. And then, uh, you know, of course, you had something, I had something different. I think one night I tried that, and I tried something different. And I just kept going back to that 1910, and it was just something that just stuck with me. It's, it's reasonably priced most most of the time. Every now and then I see it a little It's crazy. one of my favorites. But I would have to say that one. Yeah, 93 proof. Nice yep. little drinker. I mean, it's yep. one of my favorites. Yep. All right, Dave, you? We're having a little chit chat while we uh, kind of nose and kind of work this. Uh, now, can I say as far as a if you want something that's kind of like a sleeper for me, like if you can't get Blanton's, that single barrel of Evan Williams. I've heard that, that but one. I haven't found it yet. Really, it's that's is it everywhere. Like, yeah, pretty pretty it's easy. Okay. On, the to- on the shelf at Total Wine in Sugarland. I've looked at a couple places, but. Uh, that is my Sancho, but I'm not going to answer. <laughs> the only problem, it's, it's lower proof than I would like it to be it, at, it and that's the only problem. I, yeah. I like it's, it's delicious, you, but... It, you can easily, though, because like, it's only like you know, $29, $28, so if you get some people that are not in your house that are not monster you know, bourbon drinkers, if you put a little bit of ice or something for them, it's something that kind of more yeah. introductory, introductory. So to that point, I would say um, Jim Beam Single Barrel. That's the one I'm thinking of. That's hard to find. It's 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 harder. To it's harder to find. Um, it's newer, like the, yeah, the new release. Out. Well, it's been out for. Well, they have a new release that's at 107 proof. Yeah. Okay. And it's delicious. I know, Dave. Yeah. It's Dave 30, 32. It's got the little gold yeah. tag on it. This year's at least I saw it the other day. I thought not not. Yeah, it does. On online, I didn't see it at yeah. a store. I'd have bought it, but. Yeah. And what'd you say? About my go to go to well. Just recently, I have bought into the Wild Turkey 101. Okay, which I think is fantastic. I got turned on to that again. I recently bought a a handle of the Wild Turkey 101 and... A handle? A handle. Still cost you less than 40 bucks, probably. Yeah, I think it, yeah, was in the same as the handle of... Uh, special reserve. Yeah, somewhere 38 around 30, bucks. 35 to 30. Wild Turkey's been around a long time, too, yeah. as well, correct? Yep. But the 101, I've recently, in the past couple weeks, been putting it up against the Evan Williams Bottled and Bond, and several in that same proof point. And for me, the Wild Turkey 101 is way more complex. Do yeah, you like it better than the Rare Breed? No, no. We're gonna, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna get into to cask strength. Yeah, rare breed is definitely one of my favorites. So, but what about you, Rob? 
So I, I have two that I would say are my go-to that I've I've discovered, and uh, and one's in the wild turkey family. Mm-hmm. You said rib read. Mm-hmm. That, that's for me. I got turned on to that probably. That was like six months ago. Yeah, I was going to say four or five months, but maybe six months ago. And I went, okay, you know, I always thought wild turkey, you know, same right. as 101. You know, that's back in college. That's when you exactly. drank that. You know? yeah. That's when you're doing shots uh, of it. You know, you drink that for effect, not for taste. Correct. You know? But I found out I was wrong. It's really phenomenal. Yep. Uh, the other one I really like that's really inexpensive that I can f- I've been finding on a regular basis is the old Granddad 114. Oh. oh yeah, I uh, forgot to mention that one. <laughs> so before I... I went through about three or four bottles of old Granddad 114 and then said, oh, I'm going to buy that Wild Turkey 101 just to give it a shot. Yeah. So I'm with you on the OGD 114. That's a great drinker. I it mean, is, it, is, it is basically a cask strength basil Hayden. It's a high rye. Yeah. Yep. Coming in at 114. That's what I've heard, and it's half the price. Correct. Yeah. And way better. And way better. Yes. And way better. <laughs> it's not 80 proof. Yeah. Does it have more of that? I don't think I've tried that one. Does it have more of that cinnamon? Yes. Met, every time I hear basil hate, I think cinnamon. That's yeah. True. It. I don't get a lot of cinnamon on it. I, it's I, got I some bacon spices. With spice, yes. Spice. The, right. Yeah. yeah. The bacon spice spices. For me. Yes. And it's and at nineteen dollars. I mean. Yeah, that or the bonded, both are are delicious. And I have yet to buy a bottle of the bonded. It's a lot harder to find in our area. Yeah, are you talking about the bottled in Baja? The yeah, Yeah, old granddad. Yeah, at the at the smaller boutique, Dandy has it all day long, twenty one bucks. Yeah. Okay, and yes, I was going to say it. First choice. First choice has it too. Yeah, but it might be thirty there. It's twenty six. No, it's okay. Twenty six. Yeah, everything's cheaper, Dandy. Is it? Yeah, that's a longer drive for me though. Uh, twin liquor. At ninety nine and sixty nine. I'm in okay. oil and gas. Please, please drive it to work. <laughs> We're giving all kinds of uh, free advertising. That's today. right. And back to Longhorn we'll, Liquor. We'll see if uh, we'll see if any of these owners listen to the show. I'm gonna say they don't. <laughs> okay, so this one initially smelled as like a vanilla, but then I get the vanilla a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then at the end though, it's kind of draws out a little for me to me the the ethanol is just hanging around a lot i can't mm-hmm. leave my nose in as long as That's i get I mean, on the other it's kind of yeah hanging. Hangs on the back well it is coming in at almost 125 proof so it hangs on the back pretty good yeah what do you call it dave kentucky kentucky Bear? hug oh, hug there you go <laughs> you definitely get that slow burn down here Esophagus. That's what she said. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> when you leave the door open, <laughs> you walk through. Oh. All right, so everybody likes this one? Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. I really like it on the palate. Yeah, it's it's a lot more complex. I think it has a lot more oak tannins, uh, some leather, but it has nice sweetness, but not overly sweet. Yep. Um, it, I think it's just really well balanced, even you know, for at the proof that it's at compared to these others that we've had. I, I would think you would you would have to say that a lot of people have. There's kind of some that are like two ways on their palates. It's they don't like the heat on some, and some are more on the mild, of course. 
and this is not going to be for them exactly so that's what i'm leading up to is like so this one's a little more for me like the you know like watch craig burn proof this but if you like that heat a little bit at the end it's the way i describe it i i just think it it goes smooth for me first with the vanilla and kind of and then it's got that kind of good taste at the end you know to me it's it's uh it's back in line with what we've had with the weeded bourbons which is that full body kind of yeah and with this one i get more of the oil on there mm-hmm. mm. um there you go yeah, yeah. a little more mouthfeel yeah, yeah. That's uh, a good it's word. just really st- that's a good word <laughs> a little more what mouthfeel that's what she said <laughs> thank you Lynn. um it's it's i find it curious how different for a weeded bourbon the makers is compared to you know the wellers and this one now yeah. I mean, this one falls in line with the Wellers. It's kind of in that same flavor profile, that same kind of profile in general, where that that Makers really st- stood out as mm-hmm. just being unique and different on its own. So Makers a, is a lot higher percentage of wheat, and it's a different type of wheat, um, from what I know, or what I understand. Do you know what the percentage of wheat is? On Makers, I want to say it's closer to 25%, or even up to 30 i think it's a oh, very low rye uh, sorry low corn it's not closer up to like 70 percent um i think it's more 60 55 somewhere in there i think sometimes on the higher heat this is me if sometimes when you go to let it go down in your throat it some that's that what heat, she said and sometimes it heats up into your nose have you know, that's <laughs> what she said <laughs> Have y'all, you hear that with the, that's what sometimes with me when the higher heat stuff just yeah it's sort of a, a retronasal yeah as, whereas the other yeah. one's just kind of right on it's like the door won't close <laughs> <laughs> it's a revolving door gonna, it is I'm gonna wear that button out <laughs> just gotta change it over to the other button this is really good. I've never had the larceny barrel proof. Never had a larceny for that matter. I think their standard is a lot. It reminds me a lot of the Elijah Craig's. I think their standard is 94, just like Elijah it Craig. Is. Yes. Yeah. And then you get these barrel proofs, and they, they, is it the same distillery? Yes. Yes. It's Heaven all Heaven Hill. Hill. So it's Elijah Craig. It is. It is. But it's their weeded line. Right. Not the rye. Okay. I like it. Which is also um, Old Fitz. Oh. Yeah, okay. There you go. There's a- so the old fits oh, is the weeded is they're bottled in bond weeded right gotcha. that might be a, a slightly different mash bill that was bought um, by heaven hill correct yeah. yeah yeah this is really good but i yeah. i do taste definite similarities between well, you the, get the, the elijah craig yeah you get the same nuttiness yes. the That's sort of funky um yep. you get, reminded me of yeah you get that heaven hill profile out of it but with the wheat Right. It's really I good. I think that's why initially I, I think of vanilla when I first tasted it. Are, are these barrel proofs harder to find in Houston than the Elijah Craig barrel proofs? They're, uh, they're, they're about the same. They're, yeah, are they? they're comparable. Because yeah. I've never... How long has this been out? This, this is, is the first release. This is the first oh, okay. release. Okay, okay, okay. That so, answers so my so I'm like, I've never even heard of it. I've never even seen it because yeah. I've been doing it since 2017. And since COVID... Uh, Right. We we really got short-ended on, okay, on right. bottles here. So. That answers a lot, because I'm like, wait a second. I've right. never even yeah. heard of it. But, but just like the Elijah Craig Barrel Proof has three releases a year. Yeah, A, B, and C. A, a B, and C. January, One being January, January, May, and September. So, and then the year. Yep, and the year. So the, so the 
Larceny is also an allocated bourbon. A, B, and C? Yep. A, B, it's it's C, exactly A, the same. 5, 120 and, and C, 9, and 9, 120. 9, 9, 9, 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, 20. 9, the next I haven't months. seen this one yet, and I'd like a bottle. That's what I'm saying. It, the release was so few numbers for our area that it was... Finding it was one's really going to be hard. tough. It was really hard to find. Um, hopefully, uh, we will see more in our area uh, for this next release. Oh, let's hope so. Now, you said you're going on a tour up in, in October? Is that yeah, right? I'm definitely going to... Are they well, open now because of... They, they are... Um, but we'll see. Mm. Yeah. You, you can pull that closer to your mouth if you want. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> it's that big black thing. That's what she said. <laughs> this is, this episode is not for kids. No. Yeah. The, um, I went hunting in Kentucky years ago and bourbon hunting or hunting. hunting? No, deer, I went <laughs> white deer hunting. I got to go out to a farm and, drove all the way there and driving by makers and all these places and i'm like shedding tears like can we just stop you know? <laughs> yeah the makers is it's an amazing facility there I wish I could it's so beautiful kick myself for that you're really sipping those glenn have you got some kind of strategy going i'm kind of finishing well i'm doing abc next well I'm, that's what i'm trying you're doing abc i'm gonna try them side by side huh Get a little sophisticated on him. He's going to shoot them side by side. Okay, who has had Lone Elm here? I have. Not I. You have, yeah. Okay. Have not. So that's a 100% wheat whiskey. So obviously not a bourbon, but a wheat whiskey. whiskey. And I thought since we were on this weeded theme today, it might be fun as we finish up just to pour everybody a little bit of that and see what you guys think. Yeah. I, 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 I liked it. I was a little surprised that I liked it as much as I did. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool, pretty unique. Because that's the thing that I've been seeing most recently in comments about the Texas whiskey scene or bourbon scene is that Texas does not do bourbons well at all. Well, isn't that because of the the climate, though? That has a little bit... Well, it's mostly because the Texas bourbon scene is young, so they don't have aged distillate. And we can't age it that long because and that's the, the problem. Heat. Correct. Yeah, because heat. of the heat, but but that they do that Texas does a really good whiskey line, whether it's the single malts like Balcones or Wit Myers does a great single malt. Correct. Correct. But that that Texas just does not yeah. do So I wouldn't say it's well. you know, it's not great, it's different. Right. So we have our own our own profile here right you know it's completely i, I kind of look at it it's like, the same way as the wine industry that's exactly what i was yeah. gonna say yep you know they went when they first started wines here everybody was doing let's do cab merlot correct and they were and, buying their grapes from california yeah and what they were trying to grow was still cab and merlot correct and, and it's it like wait a second that doesn't grow here as well as right. tempranillo and some right so they kind of find their found their identity and and then now to me texas wines have gotten a lot better in the last two or three years yes Versus the first 10 years. Agreed. Uh, I think whiskeys is kind of still in that 
that area of trying to figure out what's our identity. Who are, are we really need to be bourbon people? Or can we be Texas whiskey people and, right. and make some really cool whiskeys? But, right. Dave and I, we hunted a lot in the hill country area, and we've gone to a couple of different wineries there, and it was a little hit or miss. Yeah. Because, because, <laughs> and I'm not a big wine guy, but I could taste something, and I was like, Ooh. Because if you're, if you're used to drinking the traditional five different great varietals. The Bordeaux. Correct. The five different Bordeaux varietals. And you go into these obscure grapes that will grow in Texas. Yeah, Tempranillo, right. Tanat. Yeah. And, and I love a Spanish Tempranillo, but but it's not the same in Texas. Yeah, that exactly. is, yeah. you are not yeah. getting the same flavor profile. So. Dave and I were always mesmerized about the the uh, the wine, all the wine vines we'd see at some of these places. So. I'm curious to that see that during picking season have absolutely no grapes on. <laughs> well, you know the, the the bigger spot for growing, you know, farmers is over in the high plains, yes. and that's because you get a, even even as far west as getting over by El Paso, yep. where you have that heat during the day, but it's cold get, all night. nights. Cold yeah, nights. and they'll get you know it'll get down into the fifties in the evening. Yep. That desert kind of climate. The grapes do well there. They don't do well over here where it's, you know, 100 during the day and then 94 at night with right. still 100%, 100% humidity. humidity. Yeah. Right. Well, here's so. a small quick plug for the town of High, Texas, and you spell that H-Y-E. It is actually now has a new dance hall there. They have High Rum. They have High Cider. Of course, they have the Garrison Brothers place. And they have several wineries yeah. around there. High Meadow is... One of my favorites there. If you ever want to make a trek and try different things, go to High Texas. Got everything right there in the backyard. Absolutely. And it's what, 10 minutes from Fredericksburg? 17. Somewhere in there, yeah. 10 minutes from Johnson City, 22 miles from Fredericksburg. Five miles from Stonewall. Well, it depends on how fast you drive, right? And there's a little (laughs) cool bar out there called Albert High Bar. High Albert Bar. So, so Glenn and I are, are into beers and craft beers. Oh, they got a beer place. Are you guys, I knew they did over there. Are you guys into beers or not at all? Sure. Yep. Absolutely. I'm an IPA fan. You are. So. You, Joe? I'm not a big IPA guy. No. I'm but beer and just craft over. beer? I, I work for a German owned company, so I've got to go to Europe a lot and try all different Kolsch beers and, okay. and Pilsners and stuff. And of course my Czech background on my. My dad's side, you know, that's that's always a. I went. To, I got to go to the Czech Republic. They have pretty neat stuff there. And you can spend some time, walk, you know, going around to the different areas there. Can you make me a kolache? Uh, a fruit kolache, yes. or you want a koblanski, which is actually the pig of the blanket. Well, I'm talking about a kolache with oh, my good sure. fruit well, on top. A good poppy seed recipe. Really? Hook you up on do, you, do you have some recipes from the family? Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's good stuff. We don't get true good. kolaches unless we always go over to um, Shiner and... Yeah, go to West. Oh, yeah, West, yeah. Has, West has a very good... Where's uh, West? In between Waco and... Uh, okay, have like there. CFW. Yeah, that's a lot of people ask me about oh, that's where to go. Where's a good kolache? And I said fruit. And, oh no, no, with the sausage. No, not a kolache. Not a kolache. <laughs> yeah, you'll never, <laughs> never end that battle. Like no. it. So the people listening, there is a difference. <laughs> what are you still sipping on, Rob? I'm still on the 114 of the, the Weller uh, of the Weller Foolproof. Yeah. So what are you and guys? What, I'm headed back. I just finished. The, I'm just getting back on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just yeah, finished. I, the larceny barrel proof now i'm headed back to the weller full proof 
So what's y'all's overall thoughts so far? Of these, these three? Yeah. Is the pain in the butt to find a Weller foolproof worth it? No. So no. <laughs> Versus these two that are no. more yeah, available? The, the problem it's, is... It's different. So it's kind these of aren't, to the you know, cards. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's always... Yeah, if I see it, I'm going to get it, right? But I think two readily and almost semi-available, you know, um, for the larceny, I don't know that I would put a lot of effort into finding the Weller. I, I wouldn't put effort into it. It was just if you stumbled upon it. Maybe. Yeah. Well, out of these three, if I were going to tell you the one I enjoyed the most, yeah, it would be the larceny. But it's still not easy to find. No. No. It's not, but it's more so, than Weller. The, 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 I really like the Makers, and the price point's fantastic. Yeah. So it's probably one I'll pick up and just keep on the just bar. Have, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and then when that's you find nice the others, you, great, you got them. Yeah. Um, you know, will I ever find the Weller foolproof again? Probably not. But 107, getting back to that Weller line, is oh, one that I you I would could, rather have that than the 114. Yeah, me too. I, I, I just, uh, I, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I know the 14 when I when I posted that I got that bottle the the Weller foolproof. I know it's tater juice, right? We all oh, know it's sure. tater yeah. juice. I still wanted to have a bottle, right? Uh, so there's nobody out there listening that's really into bourbon going, "That's fantastic juice." It's not this blow you away juice in the bottle. It's good. It's all right. I like it. It's it nice. It's a fun yeah. bottle to have when people come over that are into bourbon a little bit. Because yep. if you come to my house and you're not into bourbon, you don't get to drink that. Nope. What's uh, a hard <laughs> bottle of wine to find? There's really not. It's that's, just yeah. what that's you want to find. So exactly. that's why I asked it that is, question, well, right? It is how it would much be, you want to pay. Um, like estate-grown stuff that's only available from the estate. Right? Would sure, be I'm sure they have harder private, to find. their private stuff, but I'm just saying. Well, you know, I mean. You, that you, you can't find in stores. Well, that's more, for me, I, I'm members at a lot of places that are small producers. Right. That I, I'm members there because I can get their, their things Correct. because I'm on their, their club membership because they're not distributed. Right. Yeah. But that would fulfill what... Kind of like that, yeah. yeah. One of which I was surprised, I think I saw a post in Food, Wine, and Whiskey in Your Own Backyard was somebody went to the soft opening of Longhorn Liquor and and got a bottle of Costa Brown Pinot Noir. Yes. And I was on it took me 5 years to get on of being on the list at Costa Brown to be actual able to purchase. So how Costa pissed Brown. are you now? <laughs> so <laughs> but they only got the one. You're still 5 years in line Correct. ahead of people. But, but still it that used to be an extremely difficult bottle to find and to see it that's why I think this the uh, you know the bourbon scene. It's there's a lot of things that are you know they get pushed kind of out to the limit. Who who can find it? That's kind of part of the game. We're men, right? Right. So we're all competitive. We all right. want to be. Look what I got. Look what right. I got. I mean, it goes back to us playing games, right? Yeah. You know? Want to win? You, yeah. yeah. And you want to you know hide and go seek almost kind of like looking yeah. for it. So. Um. David, what about you? Where where do these line up for you? So, of the foolproof, I would have to say that my favorite is the Larceny Barrel Proof. I think it is has the most character to it, depth of flavors. 
then the Maker's Mark cask strength, and then the Weller Foolproof. So, so Weller Foolproof was third out of these three? Was third out of these three. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, but that's... And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, no, I'm just, and, and you know, people listening that aren't into whiskey, tasting it, really saying, you know, judging it for what it is, just think Weller and go, it must be better. Right. But to, but to, to say that there's a loser of these three. These are all amazing whiskeys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There, yeah. There it's is just no, a lesser of. There is no loser in these three. It's yeah, an opinion. Just yeah. <laughs> That's what fits you. <laughs> Which one's the loser, Rob? Uh, hey. Foolproof sucks. I'm gonna <laughs> take it home, take hey, it out. Hey, I'll right. just take that bottle That's home. Right. No, they're all. I'll right. take it they're home right. and pour it down my drain. You, you don't have to worry about it. That's what she said. <laughs> Is that getting old? Not yet. Okay. Two more. Maybe tiptoeing the line, but. <laughs> yeah. You gotta space I'm, them out. I'm enough. walking the line. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna try that other one? Okay. <laughs> yes. So. But. To finish up, we're going to go from these weeded bourbons to, to a completely weeded whiskey. A weeded whiskey. 100% wheat. 100% wheat. And I'm going to be curious to see what you guys think. Chris Dave would say wiki. Wiki. Who yeah. says that? You say wiki? Well, at, at our dear lease, we had some kids come out that somehow I became known as Wiki Dave. <laughs> How? I don't know. They didn't know what he was drinking or something. I, I so think I probably had, had too many one night, and I asked somebody to get me a wiki. You <laughs> don't know what a wiki is, Glenn. Besides a wiki page, that's about all I know. We're all drinking a bunch of wiki right now. <laughs> Are you drinking wiki? I was thinking you were toting on something. No, no, say. no we're drinking a bunch of wiki. Short for whiskey. Well, let's go put some, uh, some new elm, a weeded whiskey. It's a barrel pick we did. Another liquor store. Herman Key owns Liquor Tell Nine. As you can see, we, we spread the wealth here. We don't, we don't shop in one place. Uh, but uh, Herman Key, uh, him, myself, Tony Marchant, and uh, Preston Smith uh, got with Brendan from up at Lone Elm and, and picked this barrel with uh, Herman for his store. So 15-gallon barrel. So I only got 42 bottles out of it. So if you guys like it. Liquor Tell Nine over here in Katy, off of, uh, over here by the uh, the mall. By Pin Oak? Uh, he's right by Katy Mills Mall by the Walmart. Okay. The little strip center where the subway is right there. Uh -huh. He's right in that strip center. And they still have some of the loan out? He just got them in yesterday. Oh, okay. So I went by Great. yesterday and picked up a bottle. Great. So Perfect. Let's, uh, let's pour a glass see what we think. All right. We are back and have some Loan Elm. In our glasses, so just curious to see what you guys thought. I, th I thought it'd be fun just to close the show out with. Uh, is this a store pick? This is a barrel pick from, uh, from like I said, uh, over at Liquor Tell Nine with Herman, myself, Preston, and Tony Marchant. My my first whiff is burnt maple. Yeah. That's so like creme brulee, burnt sugar, something like, like a toffee, yeah. like a really dark burnt uh, caramel. Yeah, something burnt. But I mean, somebody was making a reference, I think it was you, Joe, about the dark syrupy color. And this is four years in a 15 gallon barrel uh, in the heat of Texas. Yeah. You know, Kentucky at least gets down to some sort of winter and, in the winter months. They get down in the 30s and 40s and maybe even, you know, they even get lower than that. And what part of Texas is low now? Forney? 
Yeah, Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah. Up by Dallas. So up by Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. So they actually have seasons as opposed yep, right. to here. They have a cool, yeah. more, more than we do. They do. Well, that's what I'm saying. Before. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> For Texas, we call that seasons. Yeah. 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 When they still get snow once every few years. The rest of they the... They get snow up there, mm-hmm. but you, it's not usually like shoveling ice. snow every day yeah, on your driveway. Yeah, it's ice, though, not snow. But, uh, I... Mm. So, thoughts on the nose? I'm it's so it's super group. complex yep. Yeah. to me. Uh, That's what I liked about it. Yeah, like very... There's a lot going on. Tobacco, uh, oak, leather, some... Fruit. Some, yeah, some fruit, some... Like a fruit compote. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Some darker sugars. I hate to say it though, I tasted a little bit. As a, my it's grandma smoky. used to pick a lot of pecans, and sometimes I'd take a pecan and put one in my mouth, crack it, you know. And it was kind of a little rancid, a little. At first, a little bitter. Yeah. That's kind of at first. That's kind of that's a little bit of that taste, but then it kind of smoothed out a little. Yeah, the proof sort of hits you first a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then it sort of wraps around the side. Yeah, and, that's what I'm saying. It and hits and then comes on. Yeah, it's, it kind of spreads the sweetness. And then there's uh, it sort of follows with the little oak tannin, like sort of drying mm-hmm. as it goes towards the back of your palate. That's it. I, I definitely get pecan shell. Yeah, so I mean, that's, yeah. that's what it tastes like. I just bit it, bit it one of those pecans as yep. a kid. It's, cool. it's got that oiliness. Yep. Yeah. And the, of, and the woody yeah. taste. You know, sometimes you drink a Marlowe is what sometimes gives me that, where it's, like you said, it just kind of goes to your side of your sides. Yeah. But you're right, Glenn. A lot of complexity here. A lot mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, not, uh, it's not a simple bourbon or no. a simple whiskey. I know it's not a bourbon. Have you have any have y'all tried uh, iron root? Yeah, have not. That's a hundred percent corn. Corn. I thought I corn. brought you yeah. harbinger one last time. Yeah, harbinger. I've been looking for the harbinger barrel proof. Yeah, um, Total Wine had it for a while. They have uh, hubris now, and I think Promethean. Did you give me a sample? I think we had one. I think we poured it. Oh, we did. Was that with uh, Edmund? Yeah, we had lunch here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think they... I do remember that now. That's good stuff. So that's, yeah. uh, that's kind of the same... So that's 100% corn, corn, and what they do is they change up 5% of the corn to a... Um, or 5% of the mash bill heirloom. to a heirloom corn, mm-hmm. and they do all kinds of different ones. I, I but like a, Bloody Butcher right. is like one of the ones that they use a lot, yep. and it's, it's some good stuff. They won like Whiskey of the Year last year. Yeah. I read that one in uh, Texas Monthly, so when I that was one of the ones uh, I think we were stopping at the on the way to Dearly's. Yeah, it's up in Dennis, Texas, I think. Dennis, yeah, that's north of Dallas. Yeah, yeah, and I was able to find some finally. Cool bottle. Yeah. Yeah, because the 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 Harbinger, the barrel proof used to be bottled in the bottle that Promethean is in. Yeah, that's. But now I think uh, they've gone back to the flat kind of yeah. With the R kind of right coming out, but now I think they've gone back to the tall slender bottle for the for the harbinger yeah they did i can't remember i've tried a couple of them but this one has a little bit of that same smell to it this is a unique that it's it's hot on the front of the palate Mm. i mean the tip of your tongue when you just pour it it just gets hot for me yeah it tingles right there on the front of the palate 
and and, and it's uh, drinking a lot hotter than the 117. Yes. Uh, in my opinion. I agree. On the nose, I don't get a whole lot of ethanol burn, but on the palate, it is front of the tongue. You definitely get yeah. ethanol. Glenn. Yeah, the the I think until you get to about the third sip. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's, yeah. it's, and it's, it sort of dies down, yeah. but the first sip was definitely front tongue tingly, and the same on the second. And it's super oily. Like That's, if you roll yeah. it around, yeah. it's just crazy oily. But, but yeah. I like this. It's different. It's no, unique. It's not the same as your typical right. bourbon. If, you, if you're giving this to somebody and trying to tell them that this is bourbon, yeah. they're going to say, uh, uh this is terrible. Well, it's just like some people like you go back to beer drinking. You know, some people like IPAs. I like that. Pilsners, like, ales, porters. But, yeah. but you know, I've I've drank beer with some guys that man, they just love uh, Guinness. Stout, know, love stout, a stout. You know, yeah. right, you know. So this is kind of reminds me a little bit of like a different stout type. Yeah. Thing, you know? That's a good way to put it. I think this is that you know, darker in color, a little mm -hmm. bit more body to it, a lot of oil in there, so it gives you that full body. Right. Mouthfeel. If, if you have, if, if you hand somebody a Goose Island. Bourbon County Stout, and say this is beer. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna say no, that is not yeah. beer. This is like an ice box. Ice box. There you go. It's a so we were talking, we were talking about ice wine earlier. Mm -hmm. It's the same process, but with the, the bock. Yeah. So you get a, a high concentration of sugars, like sweet and just rich, because yep. bock is what. Uh, during Advent, the monks used to, that's all they drink. Like, that's all they could have was beer. Mm -hmm. And that was their food for the day. So they would Just have, so the listeners know, Glenn is not reading from a phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Full of knowledge. This, this is the, the actual this worldly is the, stuff <laughs> is not in here. It's all beer and alcohol. There you go. You sure you didn't get that from Vikings? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but this... To me, this is what it reminds me of. I've made a, a few ice box. Yeah. And it's just chewy. Mm -hmm. You get that, that uh, caramel, really rich. Um, but in the nose has gotten better. In a whiskey but I've form. Got a, I've got a finish going on for minutes. It's it. Back it in. makes you salivate. Yes. It, like it's on, like the, high on the side of your like the back of your. It's uh, like a high tannin cab. Yeah. That just it just really hits you back in the yeah in the back corners. So the uh, speaking of bottles in Bach, have you? I, when that first came out, I saw it on the shelf. It was empty, but that Balcones came out with that Bach. The Texas Bach. Bach. Yeah, I have I've one. Find, you, you found one. And so that's gonna be a once yearly, I think. Release. I got, I got one if you want to try it. I have had it. I have had. Hey? I love I it. I just think the bottle is cool because you know, it's again unique, different. Right. It is. Have it. Conversation. Whatever. Fun it's to try. Bourbon. It's not bourbon. Have you no. had it? I have not even poured it yet. You need You're to. Kidding. Somebody, uh, I don't even it's, know who came to my house or opened it and poured yes. it. It's comparable to this. Would, Is it really? Yes. Yes. So it tastes. So it's a, it had the same profile. Because now I'm starting to get a little Cheerios smell up front. I was getting that earlier. I thought it was just me. Nope. So, I, I will say, the longer this sits in the glass, mm -hmm. the better it gets. Yeah. Uh, my for recommendation sure. for the Lone Elm would be, you know, pour it in the glass, let it sit well, for forget 15 about it minutes. For, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 15, 20 minutes. And then come back to it because once it opens up, this is really 
I'm enjoying this a lot more now. I agree. Is this more your late nightcap kind of thing? <laughs> you know, it, 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 as sweet as it is, it could you know, be. I'm not sure you want to start with it before going yeah, into the carbon. Yeah, that's what I mean. No. Yeah. Exactly. You don't want to start. You know, this is a good finisher, you know. But it's fun. It's a fun little bourbon to, to, to drink. I'm not sure, you know, what, what their, who their target is with, right. the, with this kind of whiskey. Because bourbon guys are bourbon guys. Scotch guys are scotch guys. I'm not sure who they're... I think this is just because it's it's so different. Yeah. There is not... I can't think of another whiskey that I have tried that is anywhere close to this. No. As far but as the profile goes. That's, that's a risk because you're, you're counting on people being open to different. Yes. And but, so many people don't like change. But I think enough of us that are avid whiskey drinkers... Yeah. We want something, and that's what we go hunting for, is different stuff. Yeah, correct. Right? But if, so, you, if, but if you are hunting for a bourbon, this isn't it. No, totally not it. But if you want something different, right. Well, for instance, like, let's say you're barbecuing. Yep. What, 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 what do you think this would go good with right here? Since we're talking, this is a food, food podcast. Absolutely. Here. I just think... See, to me, I just, I just think, think of, like, ribs. Something right? high-fat... Yeah, I think the other way around. Or really? Th oh, really? I, th I think something because really it's lean. so oily, thick. That That's what I was. You need thinking. something lighter, like a uh, smoked turkey or smoked chicken. Well, I was thinking chicken. Uh, something like That's that. Where the so I think the other way around when you have something maybe a little lighter, um, still maybe high proof, but like not as thick as this is yeah. for something like really you know barbecue like really like um, barbecue chicken or ribs or something that's high fat or a lot of sauce on it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. To, to cut that, that's why like an IPA works well with a lot of uh, barbecue, you know, and, and like the, the thick syrupy uh, sauces or Just the high hoppiness fat. cuts through it. The, the, yeah, so the hops um, act bitter, you know, they're bitter, so they help like kind of wipe off your tongue so oh, to speak okay. so yes. it like cleanses your palate so we're we're talking like two different types of barbecue because i don't yeah. use any sauce so it's uh, just, right so it's just meat and fat because right. when i cook it if i if i cooked it wrong put sauce on it if i correct. cooked it right, right correct and that's why i was saying well, so like mistake. if you grill some barbecue chicken like you grill chicken and then put some barbecue sauce on it no 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 i want the smoke <laughs> flavor the wood right. flavor so I'll, that's all I said. Face. I said grilled versus smoked. <laughs> the look okay. on Glenn's face, like oh, yeah. grilled it. I don't, yeah, like yeah. a grilled, like you grill it and then put some. Barbecue I still do sauce like just like dry it. rub. I guess is what I do. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a big sauce guy. Okay, yeah. well, see, but so again, yeah, it's exactly he's right. He's like Franklin's barbecue over here. You know, you don't sauce the stuff, but yeah. he does. <laughs> but but I would because I was thinking definitely now ribs. I do. I, I sauce them a, before I cook them. Okay, to to get a caramelized glaze well, on the ribs. But yeah, I, and I, you know what my trick is? Uh-oh. Welch's grape jelly. Really? Yikes. Dry rub. Yikes. Welch's Let them sit all night, dry rub in vinegar bath. And then... Uh, not, are you from Texas? I spray apple nope. juice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Apple juice works on pork. Apple juice, yes. Yeah, but don't knock it till you eat my ribs. Oh, I'll, wait, I'll, I'll wait for that. That's my, right. And free ribs are hard well, to, you, to you knock. Know what? You know what? We're going to have to have a contest, Dave. Because yeah. Because... Because when we were talking about the, the Lone Elm, I was thinking a plate of beef ribs, not pork. Okay, okay. No sauce, just a salt and pepper 
rub on them. This would go and, good. Yeah. And the yeah. fat content of the rib would match the oiliness of this, yeah. of the low nail. So when, with pairings, you can go two ways. You Opposites. can, well, you can complement or right. you can contrast. Right. So to what you were saying, yeah, this would probably uh, complement very well. Correct. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was more so on the opposite going, side going of contrast. Right. Right. It's like, so here's a show I want to do. I don't know how to pair, pair whiskey with food. Mm. I've never even yeah. thought about my my rule is not even a rule. It's just kind of a habit. Is when I'm cooking and prepping whiskey and get, before I'm I'm, I'm cooking. With. And once I get my meal, I'm going to wine. But right. people have told me, you know, there's some really good whiskeys that you can have with meals. And I went, I never even would have. Right. Thought that I'm a wine guy. Right, because you and I have been yeah conditioned to pair your wine with your food. But I'm open. I would love to learn and, and uh-huh. see if you can show me how either the whiskey or the food is enhanced, oh, or both yeah. are enhanced by each other. We I think you yeah. guys need to make some ribs one time for a show, and then bring out some whiskey. We'll make that the YouTube cooking show. Let's there you go. Doing some ribs. There you go. And then we'll do a little sit down dinner. I'm really intrigued by this jelly. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, you know, again, I've been doing it for a long time, and I've had a lot of people go, okay, your ribs are so good, something that, what, what is it? And now I'm telling everybody, Welch's grape jelly. I mean, I just smother them in Welch's, I mean, right? It's just yeah. the sugar. Hey, because I've, I've recently, with my pork ribs, gotten into a chipotle honey glaze. Uh, you know, it's pork ribs. I don't do that on a beef rib. Correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Same, but same concept, you're... Yeah. But with the chipotle, you... Pork and sweet, I mean, goes together good. Yep. So now my wife can make these really, really good, like, uh, shrimp and grits. There's another battle for us. Where do you pair pair with that? (laughs) Wine. And what I tell you, what you don't pair with that is any uh, Czech beers, Pilsners, blonde beers, out. Anything that has corn in it, out. Because of the grits? No, so uh, that's part of the complementary thing. If you have uh, complementary uh, ingredients, uh, so corn and beer is like you get um, it's dimethyl sulfide. It's a uh, it's a really bad flavor. Like it's like buttered popcorn, mm-hmm. like that sort of uh, cream corn flavor. Uh, it's definitely it's a it's a no no. But if you have something that you try to pair with it that has sort of that flavor, it's not good. So what would you suggest on anything shrimp? I guess what's your what's a good thing? That's what's what's white wine? wine White wines, of course. Yeah. See, I'm not a big white wine guy, so where I go for that is I'm going to go to Burgundy with a Pinot. Or I'd do Pale Ale. Yeah, I was going to say when you said Burgundy, I'm thinking a little heavier, but yes, definitely with your with your poultry and your. Seafood, Pinot Noir. Or spice. Yes. If you do something, you know, Asian food and Pinots are great. Yep. So maybe a spicy bourbon? <laughs> no, like I'd a high rye bourbon is what you're saying? Yeah, I'd go the yeah. opposite. I, I think I'd go with a weeder, what we were talking about today. Yeah. Really? Add a little sweetness in. So I think we need to do a, a, a night where we do, you know, because I like to do some dinner nights and we just all share. But maybe we need to theme it to some food and drink and, and just kind of. Yeah, go through that might be fun. Sounds like a plan. Well, guys, man, I appreciate you guys coming on today and uh, hanging out a little bit and chit chatting and drinking through some weeded whiskeys. That was fun. 
as usual, I, I, I learn a little something. Thanks for having us. Yes, yeah. this was most fun. Any, anything that uh, stood out to you? Nothing. Nothing really surprised the, you. Well, well the makers. I, a lot stood. Me. A lot stood out, and a lot surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm not going to lie. I, I was a little surprised that uh, I didn't like the Weller foolproof as much as I want. I thought I would. Yeah, comparatively, I, I would agree that compared to the makers and the larceny, I, I had a little more hope for it. You know, just it's that expectation thing, right? Right. You, you kind of build yourself up. And if you were to drink it by itself, I think you might have a different. Experience, but pairing it. Yeah. Happy hunting, guys. Happy hunting. <laughs> well, hey guys, thanks for coming on again. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Food, Wine, and Whiskey. And until our next episode, enjoy your next pour. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>